here's what we didn't talk about and we really need to. What? The fact that Ash's last name is Ketchum. Oh, shit. Like, he's going to catch him all. Oh, my God. We got to re-record this episode. <laughs> Ketchum. everyone, welcome to Player vs. Plot, the podcast where we take video game stories seriously. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Sterling, and I'm very excited to talk about Pokemon. Red, blue, and maybe yellow today. Green. green. And green, yeah. And black. No, no, we're not just, talking about black okay, just or the white. First few. Yeah. Sorry everyone, that was confusing. This is Chris, and I'm here to talk about Pokemon. I thought you were here to make things confusing. Yes. Which is a move in Pokemon. Yeah. Is it, it a is. good move? Confuse like, Ray? I sure. Sure. I mean, it sure is it. annoying. Yeah. I this will so this will be a very telling podcast possibly because what I've learned recently is that I play Pokemon very differently than other people. Like I play Pokemon to collect cool looking Pokemon and I don't know, I spam whatever move seems to work well and I'm like this is great. Apparently other people are out there testing what moves work best and like there are numbers involved, and you guys, like, I, I can't even begin to explain some of the nonsense that I have never thought so about. So, theoretically, the main game, you just can just fuck around in, and then it's supposed to naturally lead you towards, like, competitive battling if you want to. Yeah, I right. stop but after the first most of those one. games don't really do a great job of that, I think. Yeah, it's, I never really played competitively until, like... 10 years ago or so and even then i don't really play competitively but i learned about all of these things from chris and it was about stealth rocks <laughs> what's a... stealth rock oh my god what's a stealth rock it's an awful strategy it's it's a move where a pokemon makes a rock float in the air and then every pokemon that comes in just hits their head on the rock that's a great move yeah it's great sounds awesome yeah. i so uh, maybe another important piece of information to show how much of an expert both of you are on pokemon listeners you can't see this but right now both chris and sterling have caps on backwards yeah which if i learned anything from ash and the anime it's what serious trainers do yes that's correct that's a major part of the lore of pokemon so if i want to be the very best like no one ever was then you should be gary (laughs) i was gonna ask if i should get a cap and put it on backwards (laughs) that's true gary doesn't have a hat He's just better. I did like I liked Gary a lot. So how how did you guys first become acquainted with Pokemon? I had a Game Boy, and that was the game on the Game Boy. So it was it was through actually playing the game. Oh yeah, yes. Okay. I definitely had the game before I had any inkling of the trading cards, and before like the anime. It was the Game Boy game, and I had just to share with everyone how lonely I was as a child. I had. The regular Game Boy with Pokemon on it. Mm-hmm. And I also, at some point, had all of the English Gen 1s. So, what, red, blue, and yellow. Yeah. yeah. And then I got a Game Boy Color, and I got a trading link cable so I could trade with myself. <laughs> Let's move on from that story. Sterling, how did you become acquainted with Pokemon? Back in school, one of my uh, friends at the time got a copy of Pokemon in around September of 97 mm-hmm. and I told my parents about it and got one shortly after that. So 
I've been playing it since then, and I, I didn't know how the PC and the box worked, so I couldn't surf for a long time until somebody told me. Oh, no. That's devastating. Yeah, I just kind of somehow skipped over that when I was playing as like a six-year-old, oh, six, seven-year-old, yeah. and was just like, I don't know where all my Pokemon are going. What year did they first come to the U.S.? Uh, 97. Okay, so that was right That was right at the start. The start. Yeah. Or are they 98? So, so Chris, how about how about you? Well, I okay. Apparently, I'm the only one who saw the commercial first. It was a commercial. Yeah, yeah there, there was. was a very, very enigmatic commercial that was playing on TV before the show was even a thing. Uh, when the game was like about to come out, there was a commercial I remember seeing on TV, and it was all the Pokemon hiding in someone's living room. So wait, mm-hmm. are Is this done in the same sprites? Uh, No, it's basically like an anime. Like, but the anime didn't come out yet, but it was a cartoon version of all of them. Are they in an anime living room, or is this... It's a real-life living room. Oh, now that you mention it, I think it might have been a real-life living room. So it's like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit situation. I just looked it up. Yes, it is just a cartoon living room. And the Pokemon are hiding behind a curtain, and the vacuum... Apparently, the protagonist is the vacuum cleaner. And the vacuum cleaner, like, <laughs> hunts these Pokemon out, and they look very alarmed. I'm showing you a screenshot here. You can see Gengar looking, like, terrified. Yeah, I've never seen Gengar look and scared. The the Pokemon all get vacuumed up violently into this vacuum cleaner. Oh my god, don't show our dog. That'll confirm and, all yeah. of her worst fears. And then, <laughs> after they're all in the vacuum cleaner, cut to black, gotta catch them all. Are you serious? The end. That's not real. That's real. You just made that yeah. up. That is what happens in the commercial. I am looking at a screenshot and I still don't believe it. That's and, how and incredible, I incredible that is. I saw that commercial and I thought, what the fuck is Pokemon? Because <laughs> the commercial <laughs> didn't tell me. That was like those like scanners, real like forward thinking ad people who are like, all that matters is the brand. Who cares what you know about my product? You just need to know it, it exists or Well, it, it worked, apparently. Well, I didn't want Pokemon after I saw the commercial. Oh. But I heard people at school talking about what Pokemon was. And it's like collecting animals and like they fight. And then I was like, oh, that's what that commercial was trying to tell me? Yeah. And then I got, and then I asked for it for Christmas. I definitely so. remember the cards being a thing around the same time, too. But I played the video game before the cards. So I thought mm-hmm. the cards were cool to collect but kind of dumb to play oh boy those cards were a big deal in the hood those <laughs> cards were going for ten dollars a pack oh my god the msrp on those cards was three dollars yeah it was impossible to find them for three dollars i used to just go to zany brainy yeah i remember zany brainy zany brainy the only place you could find them like around me was like these like hobby stores or like the convenience store or just and, the guy on the street corner yeah. with an oversized coat or that and they were just gouging what the shit out of selling? I bought multiple packs for $10 with all the money I had because I thought that's how much Pokemon cards cost. I'm imagining, did you guys ever watch the cartoon Recess? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I was like, Crickets, Crickets, awkward. Wait, oh yes. On the there's Disney like Channel. A kid. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm imagining that and there's some like black market kid on no, the playground. There's all kinds of illicit activities that stem from Pokemon cards. I participate in one of them. Once. I and traded I one of my two it. holographic Articunos for a holographic Ditto. And I was like, ha ha, gotcha. That's... I had a backup holographic Articuno. <laughs> Sounds like the fossil set. <laughs> yeah, fossil, yeah. Yeah, okay, so when I was a kid, I had someone rob me for my Pokemon cards. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, like, chased him down the street, and then he just threw them behind him. 
Uh, so did you was, get the back then? Yes, I did. All right, get that's them. a happy ending. Uh, kind of. I, mean, I never. I lost a playmate because <laughs> I was a kid on that block. You're probably better off without him. I mean, the Pokemon cards were worth more than our friendship. I think. Yes. But then my mom sold them, so for fifty cents. Sterling still has all yeah. of them. Yeah, I found. Uh, I have one of every single card from the base set through Gym Two. Thank goodness I his think parents he has have a, a lot of room for storage. Yeah, an unopened fossil or something. Yeah, an unopened uh, rocket. Oh, rocket! These Dude, things mean nothing. Before to me. we feel too bad for me, though, I definitely traded someone a sticker that was meant to look like a Pokemon card for first edition Charizard. Oh, that's that's a dark confession. Yeah, and then he. He, like, pulled the sticker off, and then my friends were like, Chris, run! And we all ran back to our neighborhood. I would have beat someone up over that. Yeah. That's... We never went there again. They probably had, like, a hit out on you. I could be killed tomorrow. <laughs> Once this comes out, there's some guy sitting in his, like, bedroom listening to this. He goes, finally, I've located him after all these years. All of this is to say... Crimes were committed for Pokemon. It was a major aspect of our lives. It's a big nostalgia game, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think then, unfortunately, we're not here just to talk about our childhood memories of Pokemon because apparently we'd be here all day. Yeah. Nor no, those are we were here. my only two memories. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it, your only two memories from childhood, in fact. Mm -hmm. It's a very specific type of amnesia. So let's kind of do the outline for what we're planning to do to discuss yeah. this game. First off, we're going to talk about the plot. It's kind of what we do here. Pretty important aspect. Chris is our go-to expert. You'll do a wonderful recap. Turns out you said the story is a lot deeper than you remembered, or? I don't know if I would say deeper, but definitely much better told than I remember. Okay, cool. So then we'll go into the themes that we all recall from it, especially after refreshing our memories about the plot. Talk about the world, because holy cow, it's weird and interesting. It's always a cool part about any video game. A brief touch on adaptations. And then the best part, fan theories and some super weird facts that some of them were new to me and blew my mind a little bit. So I'm excited to share them with everyone. So just to clarify, so we're talking about the first generation of Pokemon. And I think I'm going to exclude Yellow from this summary just because Yellow actually does change a few situations in the game. And I don't know what those are. Well, you have a Pikachu. Yes. And it follows you. Yes. That's a big, that's the first big one. I mean, done. But we'll focus on red, green, and blue, right? So for anyone who doesn't know, the game was originally Pokemon Red and Green. came out in like 1994. 96. 96. Yeah. And, in um, Japan. In Japan. And when it, they then released Pokemon Blue, which was like a better version of Red and Green. And so when they brought it over to the U.S., they just used Pokemon Blue as the base for our versions of the game, which were confusingly also called Pokemon Red and Blue. Okay. So Pokemon Blue was like the Pokemon Emerald of the kind of, Ruby yes. Sapphire era. Yeah, basically, okay. yeah. Although way less big of a deal at the time. So re to, to prepare for the podcast, I replayed uh, Pokemon Green in Japanese just to see what like differences I could find. And um, the intro to the game, pretty interesting. So you guys probably remember that it starts with asking you for your name, right? Yes. And like name your rival. <laughs> and, but, um, right. It's, and then when you put your name in and your rival, but they shrink you down into a game sprite and then put you into the world. Yeah. So before that moment, they're talking to you directly as the player. So you are essentially being transported into the Pokemon world. Okay, so is this is this the setup for Pokemon is just an isekai game? 
I think it is the way the game frames the way it talks to you is the game is often talking to you, the player, the child with the Game Boy and saying this adventure is happening to you through this game, but it is a real adventure is, is, is kind of my take on it. Okay. So in other words, it's like, yes, you're going on an adventure through your Game Boy. Okay. But that's just an adventure. Whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember that scene, but I didn't take that away when I was first playing through it. I just took it for granted that the game would sometimes just talk to me, like breaking the fourth wall. That's just what games do. Yeah. So then you get into your house and the game in this first portion really goes out of its way to tell you every theme that it's going to impress on. Okay. So... You start in your room. You just have like a little computer with like a potion. So you can go downstairs. The first thing that happens is there's a TV on. On the TV is Stand By Me, the adaptation of the Stephen King story. Sure. Yeah, I know. Four kids walking on. Yes. Where the kids are walking on the railroad tracks to go find a dead body. Yeah. So let's pretend I don't know anything about that. Yes. So as far as you see in the game, you see an image of four kids walking on railroad tracks. And then you think, uh, oh, I should go too. And as a kid, that actually is like one of the la- like the most lingering images from the game that I can remember. Because I remember seeing that and thinking, yeah, I want to be one of those kids walking on the railroad tracks. I didn't realize it was a reference because it turns out in Japan, Stand By Me was like huge. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. I didn't know... That Stephen yeah, King that was, was like a big a thing huge, there? Well, I don't know about Stephen King. So specifically this Specifically one. Stand By Me was like this phenomenon in the early 90s. Interesting. And so when this game references that, I think it really is expecting you to like maybe know what that is and be like, oh, this game is kind of like Stand By Me because we're kids walking out in the forest on an adventure with no adults to tell us what to do. And then mm. they find a body? They actually go to find the dead, the, the corpse of their friend. I mean, or no, not, I don't know if it's I don't a think friend. it's a friend. It's just someone from their town. This sounds like Stephen King wrote it. And then on the way, they run into all these bullies, and all this stuff happens, and mm. then they come back having found the body. But they realize that the real treasure the was real the friendship that they <laughs> was the gathered. Friends. Yeah, the friends that they got along the way. <laughs> I am glad I never watched that. It's a good movie. But anyway, the whole point is, the game's trying to show you that this is a game about freedom and a kid going off on their own. And maybe right? finding a body. Probably finding some, oh, spoilers, you <gasps> do find some dead bodies. Actually, no, no dead bodies, just okay. ghosts. Was it, okay. under, <laughs> was it under the truck in the No, board? no dead bodies under the truck. <laughs> uh, so, then you talk to your mom. Right, I totally and, remember that part. Yes. And I'm only going into so much detail here, because I think this first, like, quote-unquote quest of the game is really teaching you a lot about what to expect. Okay. So your mom says... Right. All boys have to leave home at some point. And I'm kind of like combining the English and Japanese versions a little bit here. They're talking to me, the 30-year-old, playing (laughs) my Game Boy, like, son, get out, go, get a (laughs) job. Actually, it takes on a very different feeling if you're 30 playing this game. (laughs) Good thing I'm 29. Uh, That's the cutoff. Yeah. No more Pokemon after No more Pokemon after that. Good thing we got it in before the end of the year. We have more time. She says, uh, all boys have to leave home someday. I guess it's just just a matter of time before you did too, right? And then she says, by the way, the professor next door was looking for you. So what would you do, Lindsay? Because you're, I feel like... I don't know. Is this an insult? I see you as a rule follower. I am am a rule follower. What about me? I think you're in between us. Okay. I am clearly chaos. 
And clearly Lindsay is law. Yeah. And I'm neutral. I think you're in Buddha. I mean neutral. <laughs> Stop complimenting him. So what would you do if, if your mom told you the professor next door is looking for you? I would go to the professor. You go to the He's a professor. The, yeah. yeah. So you go if you go to the building next door where the professor is, you find his grandson, your rival. Right. Um, who I'll call Blue. That's what I always named him, even when not, I was playing not, Blue. Not Butts. Well, I'll call him Blue just to make it easier on the audience, even though we all know the real name is Butts. Okay. Oh, gosh. So Blue is saying there like, hey, uh, my grandfather told me to come here, and he's not here. What What the hell? And so... <laughs> like, he expects you to know. <laughs> right. Like, you were in charge of my grandfather today. So you go talk to the aides, you're like, we don't know where he is. And so immediately, the game puts you at a dead end. If you do what the game tells you to do, what people are kind of explaining is your goal, you're going to arrive at a dead end immediately. You go mm-hmm. talk to everyone else in town, you will find no one telling you where the professor is. So at this point, you're probably going to decide one of two things. First, I have to go look for the professor somewhere else, like outside of this town. Or two, fuck the professor. I'm just going to go. I want to play this game. Or three, I guess this game's unplayable. Or you quit the game. <laughs> or four, you wait in the professor's office next to Blue yeah, until like he shows up. Because actually, did you know if you wait there for long enough, the professor will... No, the professor oh. comes back and you get two starters. And a Mew. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta try that. I know, because my uncle works for Nintendo. <laughs> so basically you are going to have to walk into the grass that is leading north out of the town which they have explicitly told you not to enter is that right no one tells you not to go okay okay so you really could just not talk to your mom and just be like i'm just gonna leave like yeah. there you could go there from that path That'd or be because you couldn't find the professor you know that really bothers me now your mom's like all boys must go out on their own someday, son. And then she just expects you to go into the wilderness and yeah. get ravaged no, I by think animals. That's what's happening. Actually, on the way out, I should I should note you talk to two very important NPCs. The first one tells you technology is the, amazing. Yeah, technology is amazing because Pokemon, basically animals, can be turned into data and then moved around on the internet. Oh, I was or just... between like computers joking about that yeah he tells you that no i know he says that i was joking i didn't realize i didn't read that much into it yeah so there is a person who tells you that pokemon are essentially can become digital information and that's why you can trade and then you go for up a little bit and then there's this girl standing there and she says hey pokemon are really useful as bodyguards i'm training mine so he can protect me so when you walk into the grass professor oak stops you and says hey there's wild pokemon out there Implication being, they will eviscerate you if you just where, walk Okay, around. where was he? Was he just hanging out by the grass? He was just like, hiding Waiting somewhere. for you he to, like, in, mess up? He, he was in town. Who knows he, where he was? He comes from the town. He <laughs> must have, like, yes. surfed in from, like, the Cinnabar route. And he's just like, oh, whoa, there's that kid I wanted to see. <laughs> there, there are definitely implications in the game that the professor is a little absent-minded or maybe suffering from dementia. Who okay, knows? all right. Well, he does... He, for, he forgets his own grandson's name. Yeah... And then no so, wonder Gary's so upset. Yeah, he has never gotten approval from anyone. He mm. just wants Grandpa to remember him. I know. I feel bad for him by carving his name into the elite four. So into the annals of history, mm. Professor Oak says, "Hey, I have an idea. I'll give you a Pokemon to protect you." So he brings you back to his lab. He gives you and Blue uh, your choice of three Pokemon: Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle. Bulbasaur. So basically, a grass, a fire, and a water. 
And it's funny that Lindsay says that because the manual also tells you you should pick Bulbasaur. Does it really? Yeah. I always knew I was right. The, the manual says if you want to have the easiest time, you should pick Bulbasaur. Okay, well, let's not call it that. <laughs> I think of it as the most fun time. Uh, also, I think the art in the manual shows your character with Bulbasaur. Yes, because Bulbasaur, first of all, is the cutest of those three. Second of all, the first gym is the rock gym. What? The cutest? Yes. Anyway. Who, no. Wait, wait. Who is your starter, Sterling? Charmander. All right. Because he's the best. Chris? I, I always pick Squirtle. Oh, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you get your Pokemon, and at this point, your quest, your quote-unquote quest in the game, is not even necessarily to be a Pokemon trainer, even though people have referenced this. Oak just tells you, go form a bond with your Pokemon. So you go up through the first route. But you don't get the Pokedex yet? You don't get okay. the Pokedex. No. All, all you know is people train their Pokemon. Uh, you have one now. Wait. And you should be its friend. So why did he want to see you in the first place? To protect you. Before you went oh, into the Oh, before you went in the grass? No fucking idea. Okay. I have no idea. Your I... mom's just like, he wants to see you. So well, if I'm, I'm going to imply something from the anime, and it's definitely Professor Oak and your mom might be uh, seeing each other. Why? So sure. he wanted to see you to say, boy... Boy, I go think, out and I think your make... mom was trying to have him over for a booty call. <laughs> and she was like, you need to get the hell out. All maybe, boys leave home someday. Maybe that's yeah. where Oak was the whole time you couldn't find oh him. Oh my god. <laughs> he was in uh You didn't the, think the to look in your mother's bed. Well, you know, now that you mentioned, your house is just the kitchen and your room. <laughs> that's like a child's version of their house. It's yeah. like... Here's my room where I live, and then the kitchen where my mom lives. So, um, yeah. so, sorry about that interruption. I just had to insert the fan theory right now. No, I like it. I like it. So well, you I think it's to, interesting um... that the game opens by setting up such a big thing. Like, oh, Professor Oak needs you. Yeah. And he never circles back. I always assumed it was the Pokedex. He was like, oh, these strapping um, young boys. You know what? It might be that the Professor was always meaning to give you and Blue a Pokemon. And he just got reminded of that. Like, he forgot immediately. He, he does seem because to need reminders. Actually, now that you mention it, when you go back and Blue is waiting there, he's like, Grandpa, you just left me sitting here for a <laughs> long time. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Hold on, I'll get to you. I really want to talk to Red. <laughs> and I felt terrible. He yeah. lets you pick first. And, of course, yeah. your rival, importantly, always picks the Pokemon that's good against yours. Which they change later. They did change that in the newest And one. I really, I, I was kind of upset by that change. So the reason they do in the first one is to show you that your rival already knows more about Pokemon yes. than you do. No, it reads really well. He yeah. It made him my rival because he was formidable. He was yes. instantly like, let's fight. And I was like, shit, he's kicking my ass. Yeah. What I loved about it was that he also will just appear later in the game and just beat you up. Right, like, right after you've traveled through, like, trials and tribulations, and he'll be waiting at the end, he'll be like, oh, I see you've made it this far. Want to fight? I just went to yes. the town right behind me. No matter what you do, <laughs> yeah. if you go to do X thing, he comes right in front of you and says, hey, I just got done doing X thing. Healing all of slow. my Pokemon. Yeah. He's exactly. always ahead of you. He's always had full HP, yeah. Yes. I, but I liked that. And mm -hmm. I, I, like, I kind of respect hated him. He's like, oh, he's so good. I want to be as good as him. I can only do that by beating him, which I would, but it was hard work. It, it can be hard. Especially and, as like a, yeah. a child. They do express that in the game pretty well. Yes. He's almost always better than every trainer you meet. Yes. And like, the, the gym leaders too, because he has stumbled into the wonderful secret of diversifying your Pokemon <laughs> <Yes>. lineup. <laughs> yes. 
And we'll talk about, by the way, later on, why I think that this first segment of the game has such a confusing scenario to it. Why your goal is a little bit unclear at first. Okay. And I think the answer is pretty interesting. Okay. But either way. So we have um, our Bulbasaur. You have your Bulbasaur. Setting off into the world. You walk up north. First you run into is a shopkeeper saying, hey, when you get to Viridian City, you should visit the shop. So that's your only lead. So you go up to Viridian City. (laughs) Um... There's there's a gym there. It's closed. You can go talk to all these people. You can read notes. It tells you like, hey, there's a thing in this world called a Pokemon trainer. And, you know, everyone kind of trains Pokemon just as a hobby sometimes. And But Pokemon trainers, like, that's like their whole life, right? And then you find out there's an Elite Four. And uh, they are that's where all the best trainers go is to the Pokemon League to compete with the other best trainers. And uh, then if you try to keep going, like, just keep exploring the world you run into this guy who in the english version he stops you because ahead is private property and he hasn't had his coffee yet so he's grumpy and yes he's claiming that a route going out of viridian city is just his his property <laughs> is this the guy are we talking the north he's like or laying, the west? yeah okay. north, he's just laying on the ground he's the secret to the missing no glitch yes and then in the japanese version it's actually very interesting because it tells you a lot about what your character is willing to deal with because he's clearly drunk. His daughter's sitting there and says, oh man, my dad got too drunk. I don't think there's anything we can do but just wait for him to sober up. Which is why the English version says he drank coffee. Coffee, yeah. Which kind of still works with it, right? I don't know, I don't drink coffee. I would say not having your coffee yet is like a euphemism for still being in your hangover, I guess. Or it could be hair of the dog, who knows. What's a hair of the dog? The hair of the dog that bit you, it's the cure to... You drink. You, you drink. drink more alcohol the next oh, morning. The next you morning. Keep, you I mean, that is going. also a hangover cure. Yes, True. that's that's hair of the dog. So, uh, if you try to walk past this drunk dude, he starts talking to you and says, "Hey, hey, listen to what I have to say. Listen to." And he starts like slurring his words and trying to get you to like listen to his like really uncomfortable conversation. The Japanese version. Yeah. Okay. And then you just walk away. You don't say anything. You just walk away like it's obvious that um, you don't want to deal with it. Which this. also may imply that this kid has been around drunk adults. Maybe. He's like, oh. I mean, you never see your dad. Oh, dark. <laughs> it's sad. He's at the same bar that Professor Oak was at the whole time. Uh, Professor Oak is not having as good of a time. Because <laughs> he comes back pretty yeah. sober. Not with it, but sober. So basically, an adult is just like trying to not bully you, but like pressure you into talking to him Haggling. and you're like i'm not i'm not dealing yeah. with this i guess the world is unexplorable well another interesting <laughs> shift is that like later you would just throw a pokemon at them anyone who gets in your way you're like guess i'm sending my pokemon out to yes. beat somebody up and maybe they'll have their own pokemon and, to defend them given what that girl says at the beginning i think the obvious implication is that if someone comes after you with a pokemon and, like, they don't say, like, this is a trainer battle or something. You're just going to have to give up. It's like someone having a gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your lead, your only lead at this point is to go to that shop. If you go there, the person in the shop says, I have a parcel for Professor Oak. You take that parcel back to him. What do you think is in that parcel? The like, Pokedex? That's what I thought. Uh, I misremembered. There's nothing relevant to the story in that Are you parcel. serious? <laughs> I thought that was the Pokedex. It's a custom Pokeball that Professor Oak ordered. And so, he had the Pokedex the whole the, time? He had the Pokedex the whole time. Why didn't he give it to us at the beginning? I think I, my suspicion is they wanted you to get introduced to the basic mechanics of fighting with your Pokemon and leveling it up. And like getting into 
battles with wild Pokemon. And so you come back to him and he says, hey, I have an idea. What I have these books sitting here on this table. And if you go look at these books before you even talk to him, you will find these huge open books with blank pages in them. And he says, I'm trying to make an encyclopedia of all Pokemon that exist. And so I want you to help me complete this goal. And I think there are 150 species, but you go, I want you to go out and confirm that and like record their data in this Pokedex. Why does Gary come back? He also had to talk to the professor about something. Some random But he doesn't say that. Okay. He gives you the Pokedex, and that's kind of like your first major quest of the game, and arguably your last mm-hmm. as well. I wouldn't even say this is necessarily the Breath of the Wild defeat Ganon for reasons we'll get into later, but this is intended to be the primary scenario of this game, is mm-hmm. seeing every Pokemon in the Pokedex and hopefully catching them, right? So, but eventually I prioritize fighting and being the best fighter over yeah. science. It kind of like gets a little bit hijacked by that part of the story. But yeah, so this is kind of interesting because we all know from watching like the cartoon and stuff that the Pokedex is more like a pre-made guide for you in the cartoon. Yeah, it's like and it just tells all that stuff. information is out there and we just have to unlock it. Exactly. Or, I mean, I assume that it's because it's digital in the anime. So I think my headcanon was always that it's like scanning something for information and it scans it and says, oh, okay, I know all these things. It's a computer database and it links things and it's like, oh, the thing I needed was taking a picture of this Pokemon. And I think it, yeah, I think in the anime it's implied that like you're kind of just adding to more data and, but we all know most of the basic things about these Pokemon. But in the game, you're actually making it. But here's the interesting thing, and this is where I think we have to look at this game a little bit, like, metatextually, Mm -hmm. right? So he says, um, when you catch a Pokemon, the Pokedex will, the the words will just start appearing in the Pokedex, and the pages will fill up by themselves. It's so high-tech. He says that? Yeah. He says the pages just become filled with words. Oh. In the Japanese version. And the English version just says it updates automatically or something. So the implication here is, I think, this is my interpretation. Everyone in the game comments on the fact that you're creating a catalog of all Pokemon. The professor somehow needs you to do it because he's getting too old to do it. And this is his life dream. I don't think his life dream is to just catch one of every Pokemon and say that he did. I think it's to actually collect the data. Yes. So I think combining these two things, you are actually creating a catalog. You are writing down information about the Pokemon when you catch them. But I think the game is explaining to you why you're not actually writing that stuff down. So that you, the player, know to go check your Pokedex every time you catch a Pokemon. And the Pokedex will tell you something. Wouldn't it... I always just interpreted it as... I was reading what I, I had written down. Yes, that's how I always interpreted it. Interesting. Also, but it does make a point of telling you it'll update automatically. Interesting. And I think this is where you have to combine this with the fact that a lot of people in town and like in the intro to the game are talking to you, the player, as a person playing a game. So I think that this is serving the dual purpose of saying, this is your, your quest, which is to research Pokemon. But you, the player, don't have to worry about research. That information will be, be there bad at for that. you. So that information will just be there for you. So you should go read it. So you know when you catch a Pokemon to go read the Pokedex. Okay. So that's my interpretation. I don't know everyone else. Some people I've seen say Professor Oak just wanted to go say he caught every Pokemon. No. I don't think that's what no. it is. But what if it's it just, is ambiguous. What if it's your player or the avatar writing it down but you that's what i think yeah 
I think that's exactly what it is. So like it telling you it updates automatically is just like, as you said, meta textual for yes. me, the player, rather than exactly the child that it's, is in the game. It's telling you that your avatar has has updated it, or or mechanically the Pokedex just updates, so you don't have to worry about it. That's my guess, right? I like that. So much of this game really blurs the line between reality and the game. Like, you will see people talking about Game Boys and, like, Link Cables. That's true. In the story of the game. So I think that's just one example of it. And after that, you guys probably know what happens next. I mean, you you go through different towns. Mm -hmm. You encounter gym leaders. The interesting thing is, at no point does the game tell you your goal is to fight every gym leader. There is a coach in the gym in Pewter City, which is your first gym battle. Yo, champ in the making. Yes, that guy. And he tells you, hey, maybe you should take the gym challenge and like try to beat all the gym leaders. But the most interesting thing about this to me is the main reason you need these gym badges is so that you can use the techniques that open up parts of the world for you to explore. And that is kind of like every barrier to your forward progress is something that stops you from moving forward. So you are then incentivized to do the gym battles. You could not complete your research exactly. without having done the gym battles. Exactly. It is literally impossible because, for example, your first major obstacle in the game... Actually, I should say, your first major obstacle is a person telling you you need a gym badge. So I should be fair. But after that, you get to Cerulean City, the second gym leader... Um, after, of course, trekking through this huge mountain, going on, like, you know, an off-path adventure. And you will encounter these trees that you have to cut down. And so I kind of made a note of every kind of progress gate there is in the game. And I will briefly tell you what that is. Okay. okay? So you can fight gym leaders and kind of move linearly through the cities up until you get to Cerulean City. Now, the cities are linked to each other in multiple ways, just like a real like town map but the game always gives you a route forward somehow right. right so for example viridian city actually links to other cities in the game through an underground path but you cannot access it yet okay but it does let you go through a forest to get to pewter city this is kind of like something we'll see later in rpgs like final fantasy 10 where yeah. characters are basically traveling already created roads that everyone uses but through some circumstance or another the, the, the narrative is going to force you into a more dangerous path because you can't go forward. Am I there yet? Oh, you're past that. In Final Fantasy Ten, 10? 10 doesn't yeah. always do a great job of this, but okay. it does happen sometimes. Okay, I'm at a lightning field. Yes. I've been there for the past year. Longer. <laughs> I, think so, I think it's when it gets good. That's like when the game really picks up. Come on. Oh my gosh. 50 hours in. <laughs> so when you get to Cerulean City, you see all of these trees and you cannot pass them unless you have uh, an ability called Cut. Now, Here's the thing. You don't get like a cutlass or something. You don't get like a key or something that your character uses. You get a move you teach to a Pokemon and your Pokemon will cut the tree down for you. So immediately the game is showing you that your Pokemon are how you progress further in the game. They're how you exercise power over the world. Which means that other people would not have access to these areas you are getting to exactly. without... Unless Not only training their Pokemon, but yeah, beating the gym leaders. Yeah. And then finding the machines, which are, even in the Japanese version, hidden machines. They're, oh. they're secret techniques that you Oh my find. god. Yeah. Is that what HM stands for? Yeah, hidden machines. I, oh my god. Yeah. What did you think it meant? I don't know. I, I don't, I never thought about it. What does TM stand for? Technical machine. Yeah. yeah. Technical machine. I think I'd never thought about it. I was just like, oh uh, yeah, HM stands for something my Pokemon learns. Yes. Yeah. 
Now at this point, uh, you will have learned a few of the basic rules of, of Pokemon, one of which actually is different in this one. In this first game, you find out when you go into the woods and there's all these bug catchers running around looking for a fight, that a trainer can never refuse a direct challenge from another trainer. It's the law. It's like, like it's pretty much the law because you never seem to, uh, to be able to say no. Later, this becomes the eyes meet rule. Mm -hmm. When two trainers make eye contact, this was from, I think, Gold and Silver on, they must fight. Oh, I didn't realize that wasn't in Gen 1. No, they didn't call it that, but it was effectively... Yeah, but it wasn't, though. Because someone then tells you, if you don't want to be challenged, just never let anyone see you. <laughs> so you, it's like a stealth game. Like, if you don't want yeah. to get into a Pokemon battle, don't just avoid eye contact. Don't let anyone ever see that you're there. Gosh, how do they know you're a trainer? Uh, well, they probably just... see... Oh, they see the balls on your belt. Okay. Someone in Viridian City mentions, are those balls I see at your waist? I are see. Are Pokemon <laughs> in those balls? I imagine it's like the Wild West and you see someone with a gun on their hip and you're like, yes. let's duel. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up and now I'm reinterpreting them. So when they say, hey, I see balls on your waist, are those Pokemon balls? Because remember, you find items at Pokeballs. So Pokeballs are just a That's way to turn true. anything into data. Yeah. So yeah. that you, I bet people walk around with balls on their waist all the time. Right. So just... they're just a bunch of bandits then being like, ah, I made eye contact with you. Hand over your ball. <laughs> Maybe. That's horrifying. Well, the entire world is horrifying. So, uh, so again, so the first barrier, of course, is that tree, right? And then in order to, to get the ability to cut it down, you have to take a detour past Almost every city that you'll go to next, yeah. all the way to Vermilion City. In Vermilion City, you get on a ship, you go on a cruise ship, you fight all these bougie people yes. who tell you that they're all, their only friends are Pokemon. The SS Anne? Yes. I love that part. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. Is this the first time you run into Team Rocket? It is not. No, Team but Rocket. you hear about them. Okay. You run into Team Rocket slightly before then, uh, when you cross Nugget Bridge. Yes. And there it's like a competition. If you make it to the end, you can cross this bridge. And yeah. then they try and enlist you into Team Rocket. And yeah. regardless of whether or not you want to join Team Rocket, they will not let you join Team Rocket. Okay, that's rude. That's like a bait and switch. But yeah. They... The, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's the guy's like, he's like in disguise as like the Golden Nugget Bridge guy. Okay. Which, why is this a thing? What is happening in this world where... Like, they can just hire, like, five people to stand watch on a bridge and not let anybody pass it. <laughs> no, well, those people aren't standing watch. They're, they're trainers. Right. So, basically, they're stopping other trainers from crossing the bridge. But why? Why is this a thing? Because they're just assholes. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's really every, all it is. Everybody I, in the Pokemon world. Yeah. I have a lot of questions about Team Rocket and their larger goals and yeah, why I mean, they persist honestly not much more than you remember probably perfect basically but... they constantly refer to themselves as being the most evil people in the world okay and to be fair though you're like 10 you don't you might not understand what's going on and you're just interpreting like people doing bad <laughs> oh my things God, yeah. <laughs> like so you don't you're like they might be like ah yes we need to like take over the sylph corp so we can do a merger and acquisition <laughs> yeah, we need with to them. do a triangular merger and you're like <laughs> triangular and you're like trying, you're and they're what like, yeah. Mean? And actually, we're going to use coughings because they expel all this smoke, which we can use as a power source to like create almost oh limitless gosh. energy. And you're like, I, I don't know, you're evil, man. Just like stop it. So I think that's why they have because this game, of course, target audience is small children. Yeah. Right? So the Team Rocket constantly has to tell you how evil they are, and I, I don't mean like, uh, I beat up a guy just to see him in pain. 
I mean, like, a Team Rocket guy is like, don't you just love how evil I am? Don't you want to be evil? So it's very... It's very on the nose. Yeah. Okay. And it's kind of funny because I think it's part of the joke, too. If you're older, you'll see this as part of the comedy, which is in Cerulean City, the first rocket incident happens. Mm Mm-hmm. And someone's house gets, like, broken into and robbed. Yes. It's took, like, TM-32 or something big. Yeah, the big TM. And so you walk in, and there's a police officer there. And the police officer's like, this must be the work of Team Rocket. I hope I can find the culprit. And then if you walk behind the house, the, the Rocket guy is just standing there wearing his Rocket uniform. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, you found me. <laughs> so, like, the game is, like, partially a joke, but it's also the game saying the fantasy of this world is you, this this 10-year-old, are somehow smarter than most people in this world. Well, and I think it's a common trope in any TV show or any sort of media for children that the children are hyper-competent and the adults are incompetent. Yes. It that's, is definitely going hard on that. That's a very classic game. fantasy to pitch towards children. Yes, Absolutely. And, and, like, they don't, like, try to, like, massage over it. They they bring attention to that fact constantly throughout the game. Well, apparently this police officer can't find the guy in the yes. backyard. He doesn't have, like, the required, required paperwork to get in the backyard. He has to stay in the house with a giant hole in yes. the side of it, which he will not go through or look through to see a man standing in their backyard. Hey, if he didn't have the right to search the backyard... Oh, it's and true. he arrested oh, that man God. there. Well, no, but he, I would say he was in hot pursuit at that point. But if he obtained Definitely. the evidence without proper warrants. If you see a criminal run into a house, you actually can chase that criminal into yeah, the house. Yeah, you do have that right. Do, didn't you see Zootopia? Yeah. When um, she, yes. throw, she, she throws the thing over the fence and then the fox jumps over the fence and she's like, I'm in hot pursuit now. Uh, yeah. That was an, that's an actual that thing. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. I was like, whoa, this is... Maybe this officer this is, close is just home. very it's like, concerned. Hashtag, hashtag yeah. legal humor. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I can't believe this joke is You're in like, this movie. Who is this joke for? I guess it's I for guess me. me yeah. Cop Twitter and legal Twitter. Yeah. So basically, in Cerulean City, you solve the rocket problems, you defeat the gym leader. If you go north, you'll meet the person who... Uh, created the Pokemon storage system. So the reason why, yes. So the reason your your Pokemon turn into data and go into someone's PC, you you find out Bill's actually that someone. Everyone's Pokemon's going to his PC. Bill in his house skates. And oh, I wonder if that's the reference they were making. Like he's like a tech bro kind of guy, maybe who makes computers. This is like. Like blowing my mind, and I feel dumb, just kind of like how I felt when I realized pseudo Udo is literally fake wood, and I'm just yeah. like, oh my gosh, how do I how do I not realize these things? Boom. So you talk to this guy. He's a little eccentric, maybe problematically. In the Japanese version, they express this through him talking through a Kansai accent. I don't know. So what that basically, means. people who live on the west side of Japan. Okay. Um. So what stereotypes like a... exist about? Please, it's if often, you could let me know what kind of stereotypes I should assume. It is, it is often used to depict country people. Interesting. But it's not the only way to do it. So it's, are you supposed to read that as he's I don't not know. intelligent? Because in, uh, I, it might just be to show you that he's different from everybody else, maybe. Okay. Because uh, in Japan, it's not just, obviously everyone knows, it's not just people who live on a farm or something who right. live out there. But in America, uh, when they do, like, English translations of Japanese stuff, 
they often translate Kansai accents as like a southern accent. Okay. Mm. For some weird reason. See, I thought he was eccentric because he was he a Pokemon. Into a po- yeah. The bigger issue that was the is flag. Yeah. he turned himself into a Pokemon and you have to fix him. And then in exchange, he gives you his ticket to the St. Anne. What? Now, that's important to me. What kind of Pokemon do you think he turned himself into? A Nidorino. Some kind of, like, Pokemon with arms and legs. Yeah. Based no. on the sprite they show you. That's the same sprite for Nidorino. And it almost everything else. Nidorino. Everything with arms and legs. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just, like, do you think he was a specific Pokemon or, like, a whole new Pokemon? Hey, that's a good question. I don't know if they even show you the Pokemon. You see the sprite. You see, like, it on screen, but you yeah. never see it, like... But... So did he change bodies with a Pokemon, or did he just, like, genetically reconfigure himself? These are my questions. I don't know. Do you think he... Oh, because you remember he was building a teleporter for himself to teleport humans? Yes. I bet he messed his data up, and the messed up data version of Bill... Reconstructed his stuff as a Pokemon. Oh. Well, like, we don't know what he looked like. Maybe he just looked fucked up. And that's why we called him a Pokemon. Fire Red looks like he transformed into a Clefairy... But Pokemon Let's Go has him as a Nidorino. Cool. So well, All I'm saying is maybe he turned himself into an Akira-esque monster and then your guy just reads that as Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some Cronenberg, yeah. like Rick and Morty nonsense. Maybe. So Bill gives you his ticket to so, the SS Anne. Yeah, and I'm glad we went back to that because it shows you that you would not normally be on the St. Anne. You are, that's not normally part of the world you get to interact with. But because you help somebody, they get to show you a slice of the world you would never see otherwise. Yeah. And notably, I don't even think your rival is on this ship. He oh, is. no, he is. He is. He is. He is. Yeah. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> I think because he's just rich. Uh, well, he's just that good. He has a uh, Mercedes, a convertible, and cheerleaders. No, wait, that's the oh, anime. In the show. But, but like, wait, maybe he is just that what? rich. In the show, he has, like, groupies. Yeah. Good for him. I'd be a groupie. <laughs> so you get on the St. Anne. You fight all the battles with the people there. People talk about how they've been all over the world. And this is the Pokemon that they found. And this guy tells you, oh, my friends are just Pokemon. Uh, you meet the Swordmaster, who is the captain of the ship. And everyone like kind of hypes him up. And this is where the game's tone as a comedy kind of becomes even clearer. Okay. When you meet the guy who is the Swordmaster captain, he is seasick. Aww. And that's why the ship can't leave. Which means he's probably not a very good captain. He's not captain. a good captain. No. So in, in uh, I never put that together. Yeah. And if you meet, if you when you talk to him, he says like, "Can you help me out?" And you give him a back rub, and the back rub solves his seasickness, and then okay. he gives you a cut. That, that would not happen in the, the modern Pokemon. Whoa. Game. <laughs> The 10-year-old gives the guy back rub. That's weird. He's like, I can't get anybody else on this ship to do it, but all of a sudden, you show up. That's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that's That's suddenly very icky. So he gives you the cut HM, which you need to defeat Misty to be able to use. And remember, you don't have to have defeated Misty at this point. That's a second gym leader. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You actually don't have to defeat gym leaders at all most of the time, except Brock. So I think the reason that person's there is to tell you, hey, generally you should try to beat gym leaders if you can. Right. Because that'll help you move forward. When you get to Misty, they're like, I hope you learned that because you can just leave. And I did that. I This time that I played the game, I was like, I'm just going to ignore everything everyone tells me and see if I can just oh. as far as I can. And how far could you get? Uh, up to Vermilion City because you need the you need to be able to cut 
Okay. In order to get to Celadon City, which okay. is your next destination. When you get to Celadon City, pretty much the entire game world is open to you now. Which one is the spooky ghost city? Lavender Town. Oh, okay. Yes. That's my favorite. No gym there. Um, but it's my favorite. You can get to, yes, you can get to Lavender Town, and then from Lavender Town, you can get to Celadon City, and then after that, wherever you want to go. So you can, after you beat Misty, you can do the next three or four gym leaders in whatever order you want. Okay. And the reason why you are gated from progressing past that is, and let's say, let's say you just got to Lavender Town, and you're like, let me see as much of the map as I can see. What's going to stop me from going forward? You can't go to Fuchsia City. There's two routes there. One goes uh, straight down through these this bridge where fishermen hang out. The other goes down like a biker path. They're both blocked by sleeping Pokemon, Snorlax. Two Snorlaxes block the route to Fuchsia City. Okay. Which is at the bottom of the map. Then, if you want to go to Saffron City, it's actually illegal to go there right now. The city's on lockdown. And the reason the city's on lockdown is if you go to Vermilion City, you find someone writing a letter to someone who lives in Saffron. And they say, I heard Saffron City is on lockdown because uh, Team Rocket has taken it over. <gasps> Team Rocket. However, Vermilion City is still safe. Yeah. Okay. So basically, they close all roads going in and out of Saffron City. Saffron City also happens to be the hub of most of the Pokemon world. So if you want to go there, you have to figure out how do I deal with road laws? If I want to go to Fuchsia City to the south, I need to deal with the sleeping Pokemon. And if I want to go anywhere else, I have to be able to cut trees down. Mm -hmm. And so everything you do up on, like at that point, no one ever tells you this will solve your problems for you. You just have to hope that whatever thread you pull on will give you some way to continue walking along. So it's these a roads. nice progression of gradually less hand holding than with the mechanics exactly. of the Almost storytelling. That's that cool. Point. And and again, like remember, you've been going on all these like detour paths, right? Like your whole journey through this game has not been on the roads an adult would take because they're closed off to you as a child. Right. Um, Except instead, for the boat. you have to use your Pokemon in order to clear the path for you, and then that will often involve trekking through a mountain trekking through underground tunnels. Basically, the game is trying to make you feel like you have to work really hard to try to like go on this journey and you have to see a variety of different environments. So how do you get to Fuchsia City? How do you get the Pokemon flute? How do you get uh, past those guards to Saffron? For the guards, very interesting. You have to go to Celadon City and go and buy a drink for at least one of the guards. When you go up to him, he says, so let's say you don't have the drink. He says... Uh, no, the road the road beyond here sure is closed. Or sorry, the road beyond here <laughs> is closed. It I sure, sure is closed. But I sure am thirsty. Yeah. And I think if you're a kid, that reads as, yeah, the road's closed. Also, I'm thirsty. These are two facts about me. Mm -hmm. And then if you're an adult, you read that as, the roads are closed, but, you know, I'm pretty thirsty. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> and so if you're... If you decide to go and give him a drink, he takes the drink, he, you know, he drinks it, he feels better. And then there's a series of ellipses where he's just sitting there thinking, and then he says, all right, kid, you can go. <laughs> and clearly being bribed. Like, yeah. I think he's thinking, like, is this kid bribing me? Am I going to let this happen? That's awesome. And you know what? I guess I am. <laughs> well, I'll go share this with the other people. Yeah. So actually, in the other one, he says, I'm going to go tell the other guys what you threw to me. You're a good kid. And so you can go through to Saffron City, which, sure enough, Team Rocket is everywhere. 
Which exactly. can you imagine so, how problematic that would be in the real world if these guards were like, uh, yeah, like this whole town is on lockdown because of the mob, but uh, I'm gonna let you through. Yeah, you, and I'm gonna tell all the child. other guards to ignore you too. Yeah, good luck. It's like yeah, for it's, a kid. Not imagine just, telling his mom when he's dead. His mom wanted you out of the house anyway. Yeah, that's true. Your mom was about to throw me into the grass where wild Pokemon were without well, a Pokemon. You know what? We know what his mom would say. All boys have to die sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Valor Morghulis. <laughs> or is it Valor Doraeus? Uh, that's not remember. important. So you now have to deal with Team Rocket, right? And that's how you get access to the Pokemon Tower in Lavender Town. There's actually two ways to do it. I think it's really interesting that they took this out in Pokemon Yellow. So this is not intentional, but if you go to Celadon City, which remember is where you kind of start accessing more places because this is where you get the drink for the guards. This is where you first find out about the Team Rocket running a casino, which will help you get in like at the end of that dungeon, you can get an item to help you go up to the tower. If you go to the department store, you can buy a Pokemon doll. Now the people in the store tell you, hey, have you heard of these Pokemon dolls? They're shaped like a Clefairy. And if you show it to a Pokemon, it'll get distracted and you can safely get around it. What is, okay, why? What do all Pokemon think and feel about Clefairy? Everyone fucking loves Clefairy. Is that what it is? Yeah, yes. I think it's their moon Pokemon. Clefairy is like repeatedly called out as like the Pokemon everyone wants because no one knew Pikachu was going to be the mascot of the series when this game came out. Oh, so this was like uh, on the development end, yeah. they assumed, they're like, have you seen Clefairy? Yeah. She's pretty cute. Even the dex entry for Clefairy says people love Clefairies because they're like a stuffed animal or whatever. They're really cute. So people hunt them down Dude. because they want to have the cutest Pokemon. I mean, going into it, I definitely would have... I, I would have said, oh, that one's marketable. Yeah, for sure. Wait, okay. So was Pikachu popular and then they made him Ash's thing in the anime? Or did the so. anime come out and people were like, I guess Pikachu's the coolest. Actually, now that you mention it, I'm not sure because they said that they wanted it to be Pikachu in the show because they didn't want Ash to make a choice that would target only some players and not others. So he couldn't take any of the first That makes players, sense. Right? Um, and then I, they would want something that's not the same type as one of those three. Exactly. And they want to be a cool type. Yeah. Clefairy is decidedly not that. Like, hey. it, it, it's a normal type. Yeah, oh, it's normal I forgot fairy way. isn't in there. Right. So I think they wanted it to be like a Pokemon with like an elemental type. I will say lightning is tied with fire for my favorite type. Yeah. Yeah. You still choose Bulbasaur? Bulbasaur's great. Oh. I know I'm going to get a cooler. Listen, there are cooler fire Pokemon out there. What's my fire type going to do once I have a nine tails? Look. Be a I, bench warmer. I play Pokemon the right way, which is to be a fire type trainer. And then it's actually difficult once you get to the end. So the way that the uh, Pokemon doll is explained to you is you show it to a Pokemon. Um, it gets so distracted with the doll because it's so adorable that you can run past that Pokemon safely. So if you I just love, take that. I'm sorry. I love that image. Of like, I throw a doll and this like huge scary Pokemon is just like, oh, and distracted. I imagine it's filled yeah. with like catnip or Pokemon nip. Oh my God, maybe. So if you love that image, wait till you hear the one I'm going to describe to you. I'm ready. Because you can take that doll, go up Pokemon Tower. Now, the thing that's stopping you from rescuing a person in Pokemon Tower who will give you a flu to wake up, snore like, so on and so forth. Naturally. The way you get up there 
you will encounter the ghost of a dead Pokemon called Marowak. And it's like the mother of another Pokemon that wears a skull of its mom as a helmet. And normally you need a Pokemon, or a, sorry, not a Pokemon flute, a Silphscope to see it so that you can defeat Marowak and send it on to the afterlife. However, you can show this Marowak a Pokemon doll and escape from the battle because it's, it has the doll. Mm-hmm. And that is also enough to send Marowak to the afterlife. And <laughs> you could take everything at face value and think, that wasn't weird. That's just what they told me. Yeah. This is a Pokemon. I showed it the doll. I went past it. And you can rescue Mr. Fuji. So you never put hostage. the Marowak to rest. It does still say it's put to rest. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's the best part. Is it's so... so it loves the doll. It's like you know what? <laughs> I guess my life was pretty good. I am appeased. <laughs> and so you rescue this guy who's held hostage by Rocket up there. He gives you a flute, and that gives you access to the end game almost. Is that what a Cubone is? Yes. Yeah, Mr. Fuji was taking care of the Cubone, whose mother was killed by Team Rocket, which yeah. is and... implied to be the Marowak. Yeah, and okay. I'm, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think in this version and like the first like Red and Blue, you can catch that Marowak. But in the other games, they kind of gated that out. I don't think you can catch it in this one. No, because I swear I caught it, but I might be... That sounds like something that would happen only in Sterling's game. (laughs) Well, I just got Mew randomly in this run. You did say that. I was walking around. Something about Diglett can cause a glitch in the original green version. And I was just walking around fighting Diglett's with Kadabra. And Kadabra just turned into Mew. That's awesome. And then it also just turned into zero out of zero HP and crashed my game. That's less awesome. Yeah. Bummer. So, um, yes. Yeah, so after you get access to a Pokemon flute, you can wake up Snorlax. You can go to finish the gym challenge. Now, here's the thing. At some point, you still have to beat every gym leader to finish the game, which means at some point you will have to tangle with Team Rocket. Team Rocket's up to a lot of adult activities in this world. Oh. They're taking over a cemetery. Yeah, that's weird. Yes. They're, I think they're taking it over because they know trainers come there to bury their Pokemon, so they think that there are trainers with Pokemon there, or maybe they're trying to suck up Trainers with dead Pokemon? Not very good trainers. Yeah, I don't know. Their, their plan there is a little confusing. Okay. Um, they're running a casino. Which, which that's that checks out. Pretty, also not super weird, because you could just go play in the casino and win. That's just kind of like what the mafia does. Or I could just yeah. spend all my money on chips so I could buy a Porygon. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I always read Team Rocket as, like, the mob. Because what's, the leader is what, Giovanni? Well, boy, they sure hit that hard. So, <laughs> the like, English version. so the casino thing, I was like, <laughs> boy, yeah, I'm nine, I know what this is. Or six or I never put that together. They named the leader of the organized crime syndicate Giovanni. Yes. At least they didn't like name him like Giovanni Corleone. (laughs) And he has kind of like a Bond villain Pokemon. He's like, this is my cat. Oh my god, it's Dr. Claw with his like Persian stroking it. Although I can't remember if he has Persian in the one I played. I can't remember. I have to check. He for sure does in In the TV show. No, in uh in yellow? Yeah. Yes, he does in yellow. I sure. don't remember red and blue clearly enough, though. So they run that casino, and then finally they're trying to do a takeover of a corporate headquarters where they do research on Pokemon. And this also checks out for a crime organization. Yeah. And that stuff is pretty straightforward. You go in, fight Rocket people, 
Um, people say, like, oh, no, help us, little boy. I don't know why you're the one defeating Team Rocket. But, <laughs> but go for sure. it. So after you take care of Team Rocket, which, again, pretty much entirely just there for you to find a way to wake up Snorlax. Like, everything you do with Team Rocket ultimately culminates in waking up Snorlax or completing a gym challenge. And they're like, oh my gosh, our entire economy is at a standstill. This fat Pokemon just laid in the middle of our road. <laughs> we don't know what we're going to do. And we can't get much done anyways because we passed that stupid law yeah. that makes everybody fight each other. So now nobody's strong yes, enough to move law. it. Oh. Yeah. So I, that's something I thought was really cool is that, you know, yes, there is this crime syndicate running around, putting an entire city on lockdown, stopping you from completing the gym challenge, whatever. But from your perspective as a kid, this really just means you cannot wake up Snorlax. And this kind of continues later when you get to Fuchsia City, you have to help a kind of a Pokemon preservation area. I don't even know if I would call it that. It's a safari zone. It's like a place you can go and catch Yeah, I was going to say, it's not much of a preservation because you can catch them. Yeah. But I think, I almost wonder if they're endangered species because the rarest Pokemon in the are game there. are there. And you have to pay and you only have a certain amount of time. So it's almost like controlled hunting. Could be, yeah. I guess. I think it's, I mean, also from like a mechanic standpoint, I think they didn't want people to be able to farm it that easily and yeah. make it seem much bigger than it actually yes. was by giving everybody a set a number of steps. On that note, yeah, and it's I'm glad you brought that up because you actually don't have unlimited money in this game. Like any other RPG, you can go beat up animals and right. somehow get money from them, right? In Pokemon, you don't get money from fighting people That's or from true. Uh, from wild Pokemon from random encounters. Yeah, you get unlimited money through the Elite Four. Yes. So in other words, in order for you to keep getting more money, you have to progress to the end. You have to be at end game. Exactly. You cannot just stop and accumulate money. Essentially. And so, why do we bring up money again? The mob. We're talking about Team Rocket, what Team yes. Rocket motivates oh, yeah, you to yeah. do. So you can't do Safari Zone forever. Right. Um, you help out some people there, like, for example, getting a guy's gold teeth from the Safari Zone. Uh, Doesn't which sound like a very, very good metal for your teeth. Yeah, you, you go to the warden's office where all of his co-workers are, and they say, man, the warden sure is dumb and slow. We called him Slowpoke. We named him that. <laughs> and it's because no one understands what he's saying. And it turns out it's because he doesn't have his teeth. And so you have to find them and give it to him. And then he puts them in. Which does kind of circle back to the adults are stupid thing. Because yes. can you imagine an adult watching another adult with no teeth yes. talk and just be like, ha he must not know how to talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like kids just like imputing that onto that. They're like, huh, he can't speak well and they don't like him. It must be the teeth thing. Yeah. So, structurally, at this point in Fuchsia City, we're kind of entering the final act of this game, I would say. This okay. is where the scenario starts to ramp up. You start to get involved with some kind of bigger issues, I think. Because after you finish here, you go off into the wilderness. You get the Surf HM, which lets you ride your yeah. Pokemon like a boat. You go into the Seafoam Islands, where you meet your first legendary Pokemon. Which one is it? Articuno. Yeah, Articuno. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, so actually at this point, if, you really, if you're really smart and you remember that there was a certain place you could surf earlier, you could go to a, an abandoned power plant and find a Zapdos if you wanted to. But you have to go through this, this island here. Articuno one, okay. So you surf through these islands. You, you encounter what is probably your first uh, legendary Pokemon, which you don't have to find. Yeah. So some players could come through these islands and oh. never see Articuno. That would be so sad. Yeah. 
uh, but some players will. And you'll see this throughout the game. There's so many places where it's clear they wanted every player's experience to be different. Mechanically, they express it through how every Pokemon has different, slightly different base stats. And depending on what Pokemon your Pokemon fights, their stats will grow differently. This is a system that later they kind of refined in later games to customize them. But in this one, your Pokemon is just not as strong as it could be unless you get enough quote-unquote stat experience by fighting. So basically, if you catch a level 60 Cubone and you have one that you've raised from level 15 uh, up to level 60, your level 60 Cubone will pretty much always be stronger. That's cool. Yeah. And so they, they kind of repeat this throughout the game that even if you have a Pokemon that you caught at a high level, you still need to build a bond with it. Yeah, I was going to say. To reach its potential. It's like a way that the mechanics reflect what Oak told you to do at the beginning. And yeah, and that comes up in a big way at the end. So basically you go through these islands, you get to Cinnabar Island where there is a mansion. And this is where the game gets a little dark. You cannot enter his gym unless you enter the burned up mansion. This mansion um, is filled with uh, arson looters Basically, people who go to arson sites and loot, like, the building. So you have to battle some of them there. As you explore the mansion, you find notes from a guy who used to work there. Turns out this it was this guy's mansion, and he had all these, like, doors set up with hidden switches so that people couldn't get deeper into the mansion to see what he was doing. And as you find these logs, you find out what he was doing is he was doing his own independent Pokemon research genetic manipulation dna nonsense mm-hmm. yes so the first note tells you he was traveling in guyana which is another in a long list of references to the real world um and he finds me and he brings his pokemon back he has never seen this pokemon before no one knows what this is and he starts experimenting and researching with mew mew at some point gives birth they call the baby mewtwo And then they don't tell you what happens next. But the final log says, Mewtwo is too strong. I can't control him anymore. And Mewtwo runs away. Or like according to the log. That's all you know about Mewtwo. That's so cool. You don't even know how Mewtwo was made. Uh. But if you go to another place on that island, you find the research facility where they're researching Pokemon genetics. And this is if you bring, like, a fossil, like an old Pokemon fossil, to this facility, Mm -hmm. they can actually reconstruct and clone a Pokemon from that fossil. So the implication is this rogue researcher, who it turns out had his own little team of rogue research assistants, they were doing, they were using the knowledge, I think is what they're trying to tell you, using their knowledge of Pokemon genetics and genetic manipulation to conduct horrific experience, uh, experiments. living Pokemon. Yes, on, yeah. in his house. Yeah. And so that's why... Um, so then does it imply that Mewtwo burned his house down? Okay. Yes, I think that's the implication, is that it reads as an arson scene, but okay. it was Mewtwo. Most of my memory about Mewtwo comes from <laughs> the Pokemon movie. So. Yes. <laughs> Although I, later they change it so that they literally created Mewtwo from scratch using cells from Mew or something. Right. Not with Mew captured. Exactly. Okay. So you defeat uh, Blaine there. Blaine also from Kansai. He's from Kyoto. They call out where a lot of the gym leaders are from. Really? Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. They actually, not, not like, well, I guess we'll get into this later, but there are almost no fictional world references in this game. Aside from the towns that you visit. Other than your towns. Everything is like 
places in Japan, other countries, America, India, surge, yeah. India, India, Indian elephants, yeah. for some reason. Chinese medicine is called out. That's the weirdest thing to me is when they acknowledge real animals exist. Just regular animals. Yes. And I'm still not sure what this game's <laughs> position on that Though is. they stopped doing that, and I think they changed all the entries that referenced all of the real world places and the like our world animals in the later generations, didn't they? They they there's actually not been any um, unified approach to it. So as an example, in the newest one in uh, Sword and Shield, you can make Kingler curry. Okay. So it just turns Kingler into a curry. Which I um, mean would be delicious. Yeah. Uh, in the English version, it's just seafood curry. That's so silly. So in some ways, they remove references to eating Pokemon. Interesting. But it's obvious that you are. Yes. Can't you still eat Slowpoke Tail? In one of the newer ones, yeah. So uh, after you defeat all of the gym, like the, the gym leaders except for the eighth one, you go back to Pallet Town, you go back to Viridian City, and it turns out the gym leader who had been gone from there has returned, and no one knows who he is because they can't get to the center of the gym to see him. When you get there, it's Giovanni, the leader of Team Rocket. When you defeat him, he says, I can never show my face around here again now that I've been beaten by a kid three times. He's not wrong. Yeah. So he's, he actually renounces a life of crime and decides to spend the rest of his life researching Pokemon. Like, I really got to get my priorities straight. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah. Like, you just, you, like, definitively changed this guy's life. Yes. So uh, I yeah. chose fighting over science. And he chose to give up fighting to find science. Yeah, that's true. So after you defeat the gym leaders, you can go on to Victory Road, where you meet a bunch of strong trainers. You meet Moltres, the last legendary bird. Yeah, the trace bird. The trace bird. Yeah. The, the trace bird. Uno dos trace. Yeah. Yeah, no, we get it. It's, I, just I me just... Not, it's just the sound of me not laughing. Okay. And uh, interestingly enough, <laughs> this is where they really bring home how different you are from everyone else. Because okay. there's, it's mostly like older teenagers or adults in Victory Road. Yeah. And these trainers are different from the trainers in the rest of the game. The trainers in the rest of the game, usually like you can see that they're doing it as a hobby. They often tell you like what is their quote unquote policy for Pokemon catching. Some of them say like I only catch cute Pokemon. Some of them are hikers and they catch whatever they find hiking. And so on and so forth. In fact, one of the gym leaders, Erica, says, Wow, that sure is cool that you're doing a catalog of every Pokemon. Because if it were me, I would only catch the most beautiful Pokemon. So the idea of like what you're doing is kind of weird to everybody else. But the people in Victory Road get it. And a lot of them do have more variety in their teams. Yeah. This is where you see the ace trainers, quote unquote. Or I think also cool trainers. And uh, they start saying things like, I heard there was a child prodigy wandering around. Do they really? Yeah. And one of them one of them says, like, you defeated Team Rocket? You're just like a kid. That's cool. And so this is where, like, your journey is kind of, like, coming to a head. See, and, I'm sure when I played that as a kid, I just took it in stride. Like, I course. was just like, yeah, like, thanks for telling me the game. Like, get out of here. This is boring. I don't want to read. I want to mash <laughs> buttons to kill a Pokemon. Exactly. But now I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And then you get to the Elite Four. They are, again, very type-oriented, but the Elite Four actually varies a little bit more to cover their weaknesses, um, and you have to fight them. And in this game, it's implied that they are, like, not part of the infrastructure of the Pokemon world. They're just the leading trainers at, right now who mm -hmm. have been doing the best in the Elite They're, four. like, just top-ranked. I mean, I kind of yeah. get the feeling that a lot of the time 
the trainers will use the Pokemon that they find in their area, which is why they're generally limited. Mm -hmm. But I think that the Elite Four must have been training in like extreme conditions yes, and right. areas so that they like the average trainer won't be going and like sitting in ice cold water exactly. to like train up like a Lapras or a, a, or the ghosts. A ghost. Yeah. Like what, what kind of person in their right mind would like go and sit where ghosts are and like befriend them and train them and become a master of them. Right. No one would do that. Right. And exactly. same with same with dragons too. But like weird thing about Agatha in the Elite yes. Four. Agatha's the, ghost lady. The ghost lady. Who definitely has a crush on Professor Oak. She does have a crush on Aww. Professor Oak. And don't tell her about your mom. It oh, yeah. seems like she has like they had a thing. Yeah. She says he used to be young and tough and handsome, but now all he cares about is his Pokedex. And she's oh. definitely judging him. She, it kind of looks like they went on two different paths where they were trainers together, and he's like, I kind of want to do science. Like Giovanni. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. I'm just so intrigued by Agatha, like, in general, but... And it's Agatha's like, you weakling. It's interesting, then, that you get to be in both worlds. Yeah, you exactly. You get to have all the Pokemon train the best team, win, and fill in the Pokedex for yes. Oak... He doesn't even get to do that, and he gave up doing those like fighting training things in pursuit of that goal. And if or... you're a very precocious child, you probably have noticed now, like, hey, everyone else who's weaker than me is using all these like typed teams. Yeah. But I'm just demolishing them because I have an answer for everything that they can throw at me. Yeah. Literally. And I, I like what Sterling mentions is that maybe like the Elite Four, which interestingly, interestingly enough, is called the the Four the Heavenly, Heavenly Kings. Kings. Yeah. In Japanese, because oh, like, that's like a that. thing. And that's cool. In Chinese, yeah, that's like a thing in Chinese and Japanese um, stories where if there's four of something and they're really cool, they're four heavenly kings. Mm -hmm. I want to be. We need a fourth member of our podcast so we can be the four heavenly yeah. kings. And you're right that the the so the Le four are basically a ice trainer, which is a type that you only really get access to in the late game. Yeah, um, a like. fighting trainer, which is rare in general. Uh, a ghost trainer, again rare, and then finally a dragon trainer, and Which, there's only one dragon in the game. And yeah. every child can agree, dragon type is the coolest type. Yes. It's and a dragon. Even, even when you meet him, he's like, everyone knows dragons are the best. Yes. And you're like, and you he's right. You can't even find dragons in the game, though. You have yeah. to buy them from Team Rocket. You well, you have to either do that or you have to catch a Dratini in the Safari Zone. Oh, I forgot. Did you, you get catch Dratini in yeah, the I, I just always bought mine. Dratini is ironically the easiest Pokemon to catch because you can just sit there and fish and it doesn't count against your steps. But oh. all you had to do though was like go get to the area because each specific like screen had like a chance of like yeah. a Chansey, a Pinsir, Scyther, Kangaskhan. Yeah. And all you once you got to that area, you could just lightly tap up, left, right, down, up, left, right, down, and you wouldn't move. But Whoa. you would be moving in circles, so you could oh, like. Try I played and reset. the game the I way I was that. supposed to. So, yeah, obviously dragons are very rare. So you defeat the Elite Four, and all of them are just kind of shocked that you can do this, right? Because you're 10. And, yeah, and so you defeat Lance, the dragon trainer, at the head of the Elite Four, and he says, man, I can't believe that this child defeated me. You really are a Pokemon master. This is what I wanted to say. But how, uh, <laughs> someone actually just beat all of us right before you. Who's also your Which, age. by the way, this is the worst day for all of yes. these. Elite Four trainers. Like, they're like, damn it, this kid just beat me. I'll never let that happen again. God damn it. 
And so, it, like, this even younger kid just... Being, I imagine, like, LeBron James having a shootout with, like, a 10-year-old yeah. and losing and then being like, well, this next one won't get me. Yeah. It's just, like, a series of children. He's an even better child. Yeah. So you you beat him and he says, actually, someone just beat us. It's your rival. It's Blue. <laughs> so you go see Blue and Blue said, has this whole speech. He, like, monologues at you. He does he monologue. Says, he says... And this is so important, like so important to the themes of the game and like what sets him and you apart from everyone else, right? He says, uh, Red, I have traveled the whole world and while I've been completing the Pokedex, I've also been trying to find the perfect combination of the strongest Pokemon from each place to, to create the perfect team. Do you know what this means, Red? It means I'm the most powerful trainer in the whole world. He's not wrong. No and, one else is doing that. And they express it pretty well. Because if you when you fight him, his Pokemon are like 10 levels above Lance's. He, wow. It's like one of the biggest jumps and levels you can see. That's that a cool point. time to put it, too. He's so much better than Lance. Like, on this most recent run-through, I was at, like, level 45 okay. with all of my Pokemon. What are What's the level at the end game? And Blue is at, like, 65. Okay. Yeah, his charge are at 65. So I or, tried to run through the game with, like, a balanced team this time to see what would happen. And turns out, yes, they will throw a really strong guy at you. But if you play with the types, like if you play types against him, you can demolish his team with Pokemon 20 levels lower than him. So it's like he has started to understand variety is beneficial, but you have really understood why. Yeah. Well, remember, the, the every time you fight a Pokemon battle, regardless of if they level up, they're getting hidden experience that represents your bond That's with true, them. too. So if you've been using Pokemon that you got for a long time, or if you spend time to train them, your Pokemon will be as good as his level 60s, 70s So it's Pokemon. reflecting that your bond was stronger than his. Yes. That's and neat. so if you defeat him... Oh, and also, one more note. He's like an adult now. Like, if you look at the sprites for yes. when you first meet him... So when you meet him at the Elite Four, his proportions are drawn differently. I do remember that. Do yours yeah. change at all for the game? No. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I guess because you don't see yourself I'm very good. often. How Maybe much do time do you think passed is implied to have passed? So based on how he looks like he has just started puberty, essentially, okay. like he looks like he's become like a mid-aged teenager. Like 14 or 13? Yeah. I feel like maybe at least a year has passed. Okay. That makes sense. Because they actually go and draw him, like, he has, like, child, like, proportions, like a big head, tiny body. Yeah. And when you meet him at the Elite Four, he has a small head, normal-sized body. Yeah. So I think he's grown, like, they're trying to show you he's grown up, too. Interesting. That's and cool. you defeat him. Professor Oak has run all the way from Pallet Town. He came as soon as he heard you beating Elite Four. Yeah, he came as soon as he heard Blue beat the Elite Four, and then he shows up, <laughs> and you've beaten the Elite Four and Blue. And Blue. And he says, wow. And uh, He's he like, starts... I knew I backed the right horse. Exactly. Well, God, that's really sad. <laughs> so he said, he gives you a speech that summarizes pretty much the whole game to you. He, he says, Blue, do you know why you lost? You might have done a good job training your Pokemon, but the thing that you forgot was the bond and the trust and the relationship that you have with them. And Red didn't forget that, and that's why Red won. And actually, it's really interesting because when you beat him, he says, like, there's no way I could have raised my Pokemon wrong. 
And then Oak comes in and says, you raised your Pokemon wrong. Uh, and I know because I'm a professional. Exactly. A Pokemon scientist. And Oak makes the interesting point that Blue only ever saw Pokemon as tools. So Blue saw himself as the real Like honing tools. Yes. Yeah. But Red, he says, Red, you never forgot that it's really your Pokemon that have brought you this far. Which is proven by the game. Right? Yeah. Almost everything you do in this game is because Pokemon helped you. Outside of a back rub here or a bribe there, <laughs> your Pokemon have really been the thing that you've written on the back of. Yeah. Right? And because Literally. you accepted that, right? And also because your Pokemon have these hidden experience values that made them stronger. Right. right? So he says, Red, you're so different from the child I met back in Palatown. You've gotten so much tougher and stronger. No, you know what? You've become an adult. Like he actually says, you've become an adult. So do you think more time has passed than a year? Like, do you think I, you've I think also... I speaking figuratively, but But yeah. do you think you're also hitting, like, a 13, 14... That, where you, you start know, to transition to different expectations possible. in society? It's definitely possible. And I would for sure read this game as a coming-of-age story. Yeah. Because you are getting increasingly involved in adult things as you go through the game. Well, do you like think we're ready... <laughs> do you think we're ready to transition to themes? Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay, here we go. Segment two... Themes. Cool music. That's the best I could come up with off the top of my head. Before, we only talked about facts. Now we're talking <laughs> about themes. Themes. So, big theme we just stumbled into, coming of age. Going and traveling is good for you. Ooh, the benefits of travel. Yeah. I mean, well, Blue says that at the end, right? He's The whole reason he's so strong is because he went everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Almost no one else has done that at yeah. that point. So do you think then that that's a really intentional messaging? Like when I think of in our world, the benefits of traveling, it's that you're experiencing different cultures. You're learning about new things. It is good for us to be in an unfamiliar experience and environment. Do you think that that kind of benefit is, do you think that different culture benefit is reflected in the game or do you think it's mostly like you went to a place with rocks and you went to a yes. place with water well i think that those are the same thing as yeah. treated by the game just okay. everywhere you go pokemon are so intrinsically tied to the culture of the area you go to so if it's like a water area the town will rely heavily on water pokemon and that will shape their lifestyle yeah. oh that's super so, true so this game is using pokemon as a stand-in for almost every aspect of like travel Culture. right yeah so you come back with water Pokemon, you've experienced the culture of the seafoam. Well, they don't have culture, but the like <laughs> Cerulean City. Or yeah, whatever, no, right? that's really interesting. And maybe Gary just like breezed through. Yeah. And he didn't take time to really understand it. So, yeah, because I think Gary understood the power that you can gain from taking the best things from different places. But he never actually saw those things as part of his own life, like, yeah. thing, like things that he could bond with. Like, I mean, I think that's especially exemplified um, in Saffron City when you're going to take down the mob in uh, the Silco, and you're about to go fight Giovanni. You don't know that yet, but Gary comes, is like just walking through this place. He's like, let's fight. And then he's like, I don't need to be here anyways. And then just yeah. leaves. Yeah, he doesn't do anything about Rocky. He, he, yeah. He's like, I don't care. Like, this isn't involving me. This doesn't involve me. So he's like, whatever. But you, you go out and you're like, no, no, no. The world is much more than just me training Pokemon. There is a world behind it as well. And you got to focus on that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's like a huge theme of the game. And 
I mean, your mom tells you at the beginning, right? She says, you need to go. You need to go. Yeah, go see the world. Go grow. And you, or go die yeah. in the grass. Who knows? <laughs> Either or. So that's why I was saying, like, the beginning is so important because it really teaches you that you need to lean on Pokemon. You need to go different places. And you need to get mixed up in things that are normally adult things. So right? we'd say that there's a theme of travel and a theme of growing up, literally facing difficult situations as yeah. a part of growing up. And, like, the game isn't, like, asking you to solve these. Like, the characters in the game never say... We need a child to come solve this problem. You always have to choose to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually like referring to the script again because I'm I'm rem- like trying to remember the specific things the Rocket say. But Team Rocket often says things like, "Children need to stay out of adult business. Children shouldn't get involved with this." And of course, you know, you yeah. do. Right. Essentially, like children should be seen and not heard. He's like, "I'm here. I'm not going to speak. I'm going to let my Pokemon do the talking." And it's because of your Pokemon that you can kind of keep up with these adults right so that's something that really spoke to me as a kid like when i replay this game i'm really understanding a lot of where where its hooks got in me because when i play a game i want to have agency and i want to feel like i'm defying the law and like (laughs) doing what i'm not supposed to do oh that makes me very anxious is really about that. I like guess. this game is always telling you to go oh. off the beaten path. See, I thought this game was about getting to be, getting to be the police. Like I'm like I'm the one who's bringing peace to this area. Yeah, like, but vigilant, vigilant, vigilantes like aren't approved. Though I That's do have fair. to say, you said Pokemon are what let you keep up with the adults, and we've already talked about how Pokemon are essentially digitized and turned into almost technology. Yeah. So technology is what lets the younger generation keep up with yeah. like the older generation. I mean, and even, and, like taking that like just a little bit further and sadder, your Game Boy. <laughs> Game Boy is what's yeah. letting you do this, right? Yeah. So but. what about, I think this is a theme that's more explicit in future generations. And I'm interested to see since you replayed it recently, if you felt it was present in the first generation is what it says about a relationship with nature. Yeah. I totally think, I mean, so th- this game is an RPG, and it wants you to have a journey. So mm-hmm. it's usually using nature to defy you, but it's also the place where you collect your Pokemon. So your like your character hanging out in these like in the wilderness is also what's building them and making them stronger. So I do think it wants you to have a positive, but also complicated relationship with nature because this game has like some serious dungeons in it. Like yeah. these dungeons are challenging. They will drain you of resources, but you unquestionably come out stronger. Yeah. It's definitely like presenting nature as a force to be conquered, but you're right that in later games, I think this gets a little bit more complex and nature becomes something to preserve. Yes. Actually, I've got a question on the topic of this because you find Zapdos in the electric power plant, but the electric power plant essentially has been reclaimed by Pokemon. And it doesn't seem to have anybody in there. Yeah. So what do you think that's actually saying about reliance on man-made power generation? Is mm-hmm. it just like we've allocated Pokemon to run it? Or is it just it's... I don't know. It's And it's, it's also really weird because we know from this game that sometimes people create Pokemon either intentionally or by accident. Like Grimer mm-hmm. is basically man-made, right? Ditto, probably man-made. Maybe, yeah. Or definitely Mewtwo, right? Yeah, Mewtwo. 
So, so you see, like the Pokeball shaped Pokemon in that plant. The the what's it? Electrode. Electrode. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to tell if the power plant actually generated these Voltorbs. Interesting. Or if they were using Voltorbs to power the plant in the first place and they just left them alone. I don't know. Interesting. Any other themes you guys wanted to touch on? Um, definitely that humans can do as much harm to the environment as they can good. Okay. Where because do you think that's expressed in the game? So Mewtwo, when he runs away from the plant, he doesn't, be, or from the Cinnabar Island, he doesn't go and become a villain and hurt people. Mewtwo runs away to like the place where no one else goes. To get away from To the quote unquote uh, unknown dungeon, the, the Cerulean Cave, which is where a lot of really powerful Pokemon hang out. And I think the implication is they're just there because they don't want to be bothered by trainers and only by living unfettered and, and without any trainers running around trying to catch them. They become really powerful, like, but wild. Is the messaging undermined a little bit when your ultimate goal is to get in there and well, catch them? If you yeah. catch a, like a level 60 Raichu in there, your Raichu will still be stronger. That's true. But that's the only Mewtwo you can get. It's the only Mewtwo you can get. And he's level 70. But he is also created by people, kind of. So it's, it's I think the implication is that Pokemon's relationship with people and like being in contact does make them weaker in the sense of how you find them. But it also makes it more possible for them to live in harmony with people so that the best way forward is to work together and in tandem with mm. nature so that you can achieve the best possible goal rather than forcing man one, or think. nature one way or the other yeah because Mewtwo clearly is running away out of self-preservation I think and they do call him like an aggressive and powerful Pokemon and scary but like but you can stand in front of him and save the game and not have to worry <laughs> about it, and he won't attack you. Well, all I mean is the only person who saw Mewtwo before you was the guy who abused him. Right. Right? So I think when you find him in that island, which, by the way, no one knows where Mewtwo is. Like, at no point in the game does anyone ever tell you they saw Mewtwo go in that cave. Interesting. So that's just you finding the last unexplored place on the Ever. Yeah. So I, I do think that the, the game is, I mean, we kind of do have to accept that the fantasy of this game assumes that your relationship with Pokemon is positive. Right. And and that's kind of a suspension of disbelief we have to you make. are the exception. Do you think that the higher level the Pokemon are, for example, Mewtwo being 70 and therefore taking longer to level up, shows its reluctance or like hesitation and like history of like abuse in the lab and so higher level pokemon are probably pokemon that have had worse experiences with humans and that's what like the levels are saying is like oh we've had this much experience with humans and this is like my effort values that i'm going to like learn mm -hmm. so like you're it's easier to get those early when they're like new and lower level and they don't know any better and they don't know any better. like you definitely it's harder to level him up with just levels because you know you need more and more experience as you get higher but the effort values are the same regardless of level That's true. which might be saying like no matter how much a pokemon has been through a human could interact with it and form the same bond That's maybe? cool. I don't know it's hard to say clearly the game is using the mechanics to say a lot of this stuff but there is a point past which it's hard to tell uh where that messaging is going right So I mean maybe now's a good time to transition to talking about the world yeah. Like, we've touched on what some of these mechanics say about the world. It's a really classic conversation to say, dude, some of the things in Pokemon are pretty messed up. 
Yeah. So what is the world? Why is it happening the way it is? What does the game tell you about its in-game universe? Well, I'd like to think the world has always been this way. <laughs> okay. The world is definitely the real world in the first one. Yeah. Because of the explicit references to real yes. world places that you touched yeah. on? Like Koga is from a real life ninja village. Uh, Lieutenant Surge is from America. Yeah. Muse from Guyana. Or was found in <laughs> Guyana. Um, Parasex mushroom is used for Chinese medicine. Yep. Um, I think we mentioned this earlier, but pretty much there are no references outside of real world references whenever they talk right. about the world. Right. right. Yes. So I think you as the player, and this is, I think, also part of the metatextual nature of it, are playing the game and thinking this game is almost like a filter on the real world where it's adding this one thing that's different, which is Pokemon and also uh Universal free healthcare for Pokemon <laughs> and also wow, yeah. Pokemon turning into data. Yes. I don't know. I just think they are. What, you think it's just like people thought like fax machines, like we can fax images. Why can't we fax yeah. people? I mean, the whole premise of Pokemon comes from the link cable. Right. So, so, so in this world, then, do you think it's rare for people to travel and train the way you do? Yes. Because it, so. it seems interesting to me because I do think that the text is. It is unusual because everyone's so surprised that you've traveled and that you are out and about with these Pokemon. However, your mom acts like this is just what people do. Yes. I I have sat and thought about that line so much <laughs> because you don't see many people like you walking around. The ace trainers might be like you, um, but, but they you, still think you're special. And when you do run into another child, it's kind of implied that they suck. I yes, think. the youngsters yes. and stuff. They yes. look annoying, they speak annoying, they have like one Pokemon and it's like a Metapod. Yeah. Which is a sign of a true fool. And it's if you like, yeah. just just rob me. It's okay. I'm gonna throw this out. You can you can walk right by him and take my money. <laughs> in Pewter City, there is a person who says, you know, all the youngsters and bug catchers here, they just do Pokemon battles as a hobby. But Brock in the gym, he's the real deal. So they do say, like, all these people who have professions that are not trainer, they are just, they're doing it because it's fun and everyone does it to some extent. But, like, my question is, if Brock is such a professional, why is his Pokemon, why is his Geodude 12, level 12, and his Onyx level 14? I, I think that's just... Uh, are they, like, punching down? <laughs> I think the best, so there's two ways you can interpret it. One is, I think you've said this before, and also Pokemon Origins yeah. has it. Um, it says that Brock is just choosing Pokemon to test you to see if you're worthy of the badge. So he's choosing his lower level Pokemon to fight you. So it's like Because he's not testing you on your Pokemon strength, he's testing you on your, your as a train. tactical. So, so what he's saying is like, oh, okay, I'm judging based off of your what your Pokemon level's at. I'll use some similarly level Pokemon, but I want to see if you can use, like, if you just get it. Yes. I like that. Yeah, and then, like, the other games, they do, like, kind of adapt this, or adopt that, like, perspective, because you can re-battle gym leaders, and they're always stronger. Right? We just played S.H.I.E.L.D., and they do explicitly say that some of the gym leaders pull their punches, because they yeah. feel bad. They're like, oh, I just don't fight as hard as I can. Like, yeah, and they're there to evaluate you, yes. to some degree. Yes. The other explanation, of course, is that it's just a coincidence that the gym leaders are ordered in this way. <laughs> by strength in your journey and you really are just showing that you're better than all of them and brock is at the bottom of the totem 
because yeah, he's better than all the bug catchers in Pewter City. Like, it's not hard. If you look at like, and if nobody bug, travels. Well, and also if they're all bugs and there's so few Butterfreeze running around, all of them are gonna lose to Brock. Yeah, because he's strong type wise against their Pokemon. Yeah. He's like, um, I guess I don't need to train any harder. Yeah. Um, That's true. And so it could just be that he's the best of that area, which is bad. And which like, is a real life thing. And it's just like all the bugs, bug catchers are like, you're light years away from him. Yeah. You think you can beat him with, like, your Pokemon? I mean, if, if you get into, like, playing, like, esports or, like, fighting games or something, you'll probably have a local scene. And you'll go yes. to that local scene. And there will be a guy or, or a lady who's, like, better than everyone. And then she goes to, like, Michigan for a major. And she's like, well... I was definitely the best in Ohio, but I'm not <laughs> the best in Michigan. I'm Brock. Oh, man. I mean, that's possible, so, right? So, here's another interesting thing, speaking of how different games interpret it. This game, definitely, not everyone has a Pokemon in this game. You can walk into homes, and it's not like there's a Pokemon in every house. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I, I, we know that because the law says I would have to fight them. Yes. Yeah. Later, fucking everyone has a Pokemon. Everyone has, like, eight Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon? Pokemon. I, I, mean, I think Pokemon. that's the world getting Pokemon a little bit the plural more... of Pokemon? Pokemon is the yeah. plural of Pokemon, okay. but I sometimes fall into some bad habits of saying Pokemon. Well, Pokemon's more fun to say. We can all agree. Wait, this whole time that we've been saying Pokemon as a joke, you guys meant it like M-E-N? No. No. Oh, it's just oh, fun oh, to say. Oh, okay. It's like, it's like <laughs> I'll, I'll say, like, <laughs> say what? Superman or Spider-Man. Okay, okay. That was like, just fun it's to just say. Like, it's like a last name, almost. I thought, okay, I just thought I didn't get the joke. <laughs> Chris is like, the joke is even better now. Yeah. Or even worse. Uh, but to your question, I think that that's the world getting a little bit more definition. Like, of course, like you see in the beginning, the guy's using a machoke to, like, flatten land. Everyone yeah. would be doing that, right? Yeah, but, like, I... I think it should be hard to catch and train and maintain and all these Pokemon. I mean, mm-hmm. those Pokemon may not be strong. I've got a question. That guy in Viridian City, right? Yeah. Uh, no, Vermilion City. Okay. Uh, the one with the port, right? Uh, the, has using a Machop to flatten out that land to build something. I mean, back in the day, I thought that that was eventually going to become my gym. But, uh, oh, that would have been cool. Oh, man. But... That never happened, and that's just like you know playground talk. Um, Wouldn't but, you become the Meridian City leader because then right. Giovanni runs away? Okay, no, sorry. no, you're thinking too much into this. We were we were like eight. Um, so, anyways, my thought is in this Pokemon, it seems like you don't fight people that are actually working with their Pokemon. Right. You're just fighting a bunch of vagrants. You fight and yeah. other trainers. Yeah, yeah. well, trainers. well that's those what are tra- the vagrants. Yeah, that's okay, what I'm saying. Right, like right. a bunch of vagabonds and like you, you fight trainers, but also wells. you are using your Pokemon as like a gun. Yeah, like but, that's what Team Rocket does. But you can't fight that guy who is using his Pokemon to flatten yes. that out. Well, so yeah. there is actual like productivity allowed, which is something I can't say for at least in Shield, which I recently played. Oh, you're saying that doesn't happen? No. You in in Shield, I'm walking through some mines and beating people up. And yes. they're like, oh, hold on, a kid showed up. I have to put down my, my uh, yes. <laughs> crane and whatever, or my excavator, and just This fight kid's him. coming but in. They look like a you. trainer. Yeah, he challenges me. He's like, hold on. That's All right. Well, okay, I'm hold on. I think that's what they do instead of Reddit in that <laughs> world. He's like, nah, I got some time. <laughs> I challenge this kid to a battle. Oh. I've ex- excavated, like, a lot of rocks See, already, so... I find it weird that everyone would own a Pokemon. Because, like... Not everybody has a pet in yeah. our world. Well, I, well there are a lot if of pets were as cool as Pokemon, 
Which I think we should get into that now. Pokemon are fucking nuts, guys. That's true. Yeah, like that's the reason a lot of these people aren't going to be owning all these things. I mean, you seem to have like the support of a professor and like a lot of resources that you, the average person, wouldn't get. I don't know if everybody has access to a box, but like I know that that's a good question. But if they don't, then that's something that only you and you like Gary essentially are getting. I think everyone has access. They do because Phil makes it, and he's like, "Isn't this great? Everyone loves my invention." All right, well, and that's why he's rich. I guess that's fair. Um, But anyways. It's just not everybody's traveling around. Not everybody seems to have like a professor like yeah no that's like tr- totally backing true. you. So you're like yeah whatever I can do whatever. Is it in this world inhumane if you just catch a Pokemon and leave it in its box forever? Uh, I thought about that a lot because I'm guilty of that. Well, because I put like a hundred and forty something I mean, Pokemon in well, my first box. First of all, we have to accept one thing: the core concept of Pokemon is extremely immoral. Yes. So once we've accepted well, that that's well, okay. yeah, because they fight, yeah, and 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 like I've had people say like they want to fight with you, you convince them to fight, you convince them to fight by beating them, yeah, you have to weaken them to catch them. I don't think that's even a question. Yeah, there's no persuade option in so, a yeah. Pokemon fight, and there, and there was going to be, back, what? Yeah, there was going to be. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, also, after they took out the persuade option, um, your guy just had a whip all the time. Oh some, some traders still have yes. I, okay. some traders still we, do. we cannot wait for this. You have to tell me all about this right now. About what, what Pokemon used to be? Yes. Okay, so it's like development. Yes. So you guys probably know we talked about this in the Persona episode, but the Shin Megami Tensei series was like basically fighting these cyberpunk devils who, who come from the computer world and right. like you convince them to help you. Pokemon was basically going to be take that idea, which at the time was only being used in Megami Tensei 1 and 2, which took place in like fantasy worlds, like in a computer. And so you were basically, it was semi-modern setting, but you were going into like these weird fantastic places to fight the devil. And their idea was, what if we took that, put on the Game Boy, and made it so that you it was a modern setting, and you were going around fighting villains with your Pokemon... And it was much more based on wizardry at the time. Like you had a, a charisma stat and you use your charisma stat to convince Pokemon to join you. And then those Pokemon who were like your par- battle partners would fight alongside you in battle and you would go and, you know, defeat all the evil people like that. If that sounds familiar, it's because the third Megami Tensei game, Shin Megami Tensei, is exactly that. It takes hmm. place in Tokyo, which is the first time they ever did that. Pokemon started development in 1990. Shin Megami Tensei came out in 1992. So in other words, the version, like the, the, the improved version of Megami Tensei that these Nintendo developers thought of making came out while As they were making was in development. It. So they actually admit that they had to rewrite the core story and they decided to make it more about completing the Pokedex because that would be a better fit for a modern setting. And also I think implication is because someone just did what they were trying to do. Right. right? So as it evolved to being more of a sport kind of thing and like really being about traveling the world and seeing new Pokemon, the designs of Pokemon changed too. They used to be more dinosaurs like uh, Minoran and stuff or like the original Pokemon, Lapras. Like if you look at the order that they are cataloged in their development documents, it's way more like prehistoric or like scary looking Pokemon 
that this is gradually became more and more like pets. I love Lapras. So as they went forward, they were like, uh, we have to, we already made a game about defeating eight villains. What do we do? <laughs> so that's where the gym challenge came from. And so basically most of the story of Pokemon has been, after the fact, kind of reconfigured to show that you are really like doing this incidentally to your complete the Pokedex quest. That's so cool. And I think really it's also to make sure that no one confuses this for Shin Megami Tensei, which was like should... a hit. At yeah. That time. Um, and so and look who's laughing now. And that's also why the Pokemon are crazy. Like the and let's talk about that. Like the yeah, Pokemon have insane abilities, right? Oh like, yeah. Rapid. Like if you look at the the original Pokedex entries from like red, green, and blue. You'll see, and I'm going to like read a couple of them. Yeah. But you'll see some crazy stuff in there, which suits the idea that you would need to recruit these guys to help you defeat like anybody, a, an evil villain, right? And not just get into dog fights <laughs> with bug catchers. Yeah. Right? Like, I've got to persuade uh, Jackie Chan, I mean Hitmonchan, um, to join my team. <laughs> yeah. He's not like a monster, he's just like a cool martial artist. No, no, he's a monster now. <laughs> and uh, I actually do want to shout out a couple sources here. Go for it, yeah. I think these are really interesting. And if you want to read more about the development history of Pokemon, you should go take a look at the original design docs, which have been scanned and uploaded to a site called uh, Helix Chamber. And a, another website that I love that does a lot of fan translations of like old interviews from the 90s, it's called Glitterberry. <laughs> That's G-L-I-T-T-E-R-B-E-R-I. And they have a lot of information on... That sounds cute. Yeah. A lot of information on where, like, a lot of games, but especially Pokemon's design history, how it's changed over time. That's so interesting. Yeah. And remember how we talked about at the beginning how, like, you're not sure what your goal is, and is it the gym leaders? Is it the Pokedex? That's kind of the result of a game having a six-year-long development history that change the story multiple times right well i've got another question because one of my favorite mangas is pokemon special yeah wait and do we want to transition to the next segment adaptations adaptations yeah you know what i guess that's a good time for perfect it. timing so adaptations we've got of course the anime we've got anime we've got manga we've got movies we have card games we have other types of games we got board games there's all sorts of things. And uh, your favorite is? My favorite adaptation is Pokemon Special Edition. Um, Just Pokemon Special. Yeah, Pokemon Special. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but it was originally released in 1997, which is why I kind of want to like oh, tie yeah, that yeah. in. Because it's like one of the first adaptations. It is one of the first adaptations, and it came out after it was released in Japan, but before it was released in America. Yeah. And I know I misspoke earlier in the episode where I said Pokemon came out in 97, but in the U.S., but it was 98. You were right, Chris. I double-checked. Um, but at this time, like, the Pokemon special manga has, like, a completely different take yeah. on everything, and it kind of feels like a bit more like the, like that original, the pitch. original pitch yeah. you were talking about, because the gym leaders... Are, there's four good ones and four bad ones, and the Elite Four is some sort of like overarching like organization that is yeah. has greater plans than even Team Rocket, and there's a lot to it. Yeah. I don't want to like ruin it because it's 
Oh, I think we can all agree. Everyone who's interested in good adaptation of Pokemon should read that manga. Oh, I haven't read it because we only own it in Chinese. Look. (laughs) Well, that's your call. (laughs) You got to learn Chinese then, or you could go Uh, online and buy it. Um, (laughs) Good save. (laughs) Uh, But also, I'm glad you brought that up because um, if you really want to see, like, what was going through the storyteller's head, the guy who wrote the pitch's head, um, when he came up with the idea for Pokemon, first read those design docs for sure. But second, he said that Pokemon Special is the closest to the world he imagined when he wrote Pokemon. Whoa, that's so yeah. cool. Tajiri Satoshi, he's the guy who like wanted to like wanted kids to experience bug collecting and all that. Interesting. He read that manga and said, "This is Pokemon." So he didn't feel that way when he watched Pokemon Two Thousand. But like, Pokemon... I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Pokemon Special though is. Like it's intense. Like it uh, intense. like blue goes up against Koga at one point in Lavender Tower, and his charmeleon blue's charmeleon cuts Arbok's head off. Yeah. Like, it like gets very I've seen that panel. Yeah. It's the the Pokemon and the, and the humans like they fight together. Like they're they're working together to solve problems outside of the boundaries of the Game Boy's like right. battle yeah. mechanics. Like, and like Team Rocket, like. They don't attack your Pokemon. They'll try and attack you. And so your Pokemon are like literally... Your bodyguard. Yeah, your bodyguard. They're in between you and the attacks. It's like like Piccolo in front of Gohan. Like like all the time. Like Except Interesting. reverse it because you're not... It's not important. That was a bad analogy, but I had a visual of like Piccolo taking that brunt of that attack. And that's your yeah. Pokemon every time. I also feel like, so we were talking about how the core concept of Pokemon is a little bit messed up, but you just kind of have to accept that, like when you get into this game, right? Um, and then being digital information maybe helps. I don't know. Don't want to get into that. But um, Pokemon Special, I think, does such a good job of showing you why it is so important to everyone to learn how to fight with Pokemon. Yeah. Because their enemies are definitely trying to murder them. Yeah. So then... A much less dark interpretation would be the anime. Yes, which with, with Ash and I did not see before I played the game, but mm-hmm. dude, once that started airing, it was like my priority to watch that show. I would wake up yeah. early every day. Yep, six a.m. so I could watch <laughs> that, and then if you know my parents were running late to drop me off at school, I might even sneak in Digimon if I think it was next. Can I, can I point out something though with, about that show, which you know. Pokemon doesn't or matter Digimon? if it's good or bad. Or Pokemon, the, okay. the one with Ash, yes. right? The, the anime. Um, it does lots of cool things with the world. One of the interesting things it does with the parts from the game, I think, is it definitely implies that every child must leave home at 10 years old. Yes. And I just wanted... I don't know if I ever understood how that worked. I also think the anime is much more goofy. Yeah. And... Also, weird thing is that the first two gym leaders just quit being a gym leader to travel with him. Yeah. And why that made more sense to them than creating an individual character they meet in the town is beyond me. Because they have to defeat him, well, I guess. I don't they could defeat would... anyone. I, I mean, I, I haven't seen the episode where uh, Ash fights Misty in a long time. But if I recall correctly, Misty was... Oh, One yeah. of many sisters that represented the gym leader there, or the gym well, there. Well, it's that, and also you're right about that. And also, um, a- Ash is traveling with Misty before that because he, he steals her bike. He steals, and then oh, wrecks yeah. it. And, and wrecks so, it. And yeah. Misty's like, "Pay up!" And he's like, 
<laughs> I gotta earn money. And Missy yeah. is somehow also wandering the world. Yeah. Well, she Ash was fishing. Is... Oh. And then, okay. like, he's like, oh no, my Pokemon is, bad, is hurt. And she's like, you jerk. <laughs> Ash is not a likable character. No. Ever. I, I mean, well, I will say this. Like, they do... The, the one through line from the game through the anime is they really want to stress that the most important aspect of Pokemon is being their friend, which is a good lesson. Yeah, and that does carry through. And Ash, the thing that separates him from most characters and, and the thing that makes characters like Ash in the world of the show is that he he is like, his only friends might be Pokemon. Yes, like, that's true. Just not Charizard. He's not a very likable person, but his Pokemon seem to like him. Well, I mean, you know, he's like, oh, the first Pokemon I ever caught. Oh, but it seems to have fallen in love with some other Butterfree. So, um, bye-bye, Butterfree. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's I a good thing, that. but not as, a like, a trainer. That's why he loses. Imagine <laughs> if that Butterfree had stuck with him yeah. the entire time. Can I point out that that show, that adaptation, also really digs into some uncomfortable questions because when Ash meets Pikachu at the beginning of the show... Because remember, Pikachu is given to him by the professor. He doesn't want to be doesn't in the ball. Doesn't want to be his friend. No. He puts it on a leash and drags him everywhere. Yes. Until some sparrows threaten Pikachu's life and he rescues Pikachu from the sparrows. Yes. They attack him. He bleeds on Pikachu or something. And then Pikachu's like, I guess he does care about me. So I will be his friend. And that's interesting because they establish that the most important relationship in the show, which is Ash and Pikachu is mutual and slightly more consensual than the other ones. A little yeah. bit. But he definitely beats up and catches all the other Pokemon. Yes. So it's like, what is different about Pikachu from yes. Caterpie? Why beat up Caterpie? But not the Pikachu. But not Pikachu. I don't know. I, I mean, I also think the anime and then the movies are where you get a lot more heavy-handed with like the, we should get along with nature, yeah. which in the games is subtle and complex. I think we talked about how it yeah. does show you that nature should be something you work with, but it can be fucking challenging and terrifying yeah. in the anime. It's just harder for me to believe. Cause Ash is still going around and like ruining shit <laughs> and like yeah. subverting it to his will, but then he'll yell at someone else for using a Pokemon in a way he doesn't that, think that is was, right. Yeah. Like there was, was there was one episode where was it? He was, uh, a trainer was training a sand shrew and had it with weights and like forcing yes. it to swim like a like a bee. Yes, yeah, because sand shrews would die in water. Yeah, and he just makes them jump in the water oh. over and over. And like, because he's literally just sand. Like I, I think I don't know, but and Ash is like, that's not okay. And then he gets his ass handed <laughs> to him by the sand shrew. The sand shrew just like Actually, wrecks his what? team. That is, I don't know how I feel about that episode because on the one hand that seems like abuse, but on the other hand, at the end they tell Ash. Don't tell him what his relationship is supposed to be with his Pokemon. They love him. And as a kid, I was like, that's complex. And now I'm like, I don't know if this is true, man. I don't know. He's like, yeah. Just ignore that guy beating up someone. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Ooh. He know. just kicks his puppy. That's his relationship like, with his like, dog. It is a good lesson that everyone's personal relationships are modeled differently. Yes. But on the other hand... I don't know. It seems like those Pokemon are going to die. I soon. will say, though, that's like, I mean, you know, that's training. Mm-hmm. Weight resistance. Yes. Doing it in an environment you're not comfortable in. But it Putting weights on like and throwing it in the pool. Telling a human, yeah, a like, dangerous. run into the fire. Soon you will develop burns. That's like true. calluses and <laughs> you'll but be resistant. We do literally punch hard things that's to true. build up our bones. That is true. 
That's different. <laughs> you know what they should have shown? They should have showed at the end just like a, like a Caterpie or not, or like a Santru or a Cubone walking up to the guy's gym and just signing up. <laughs> that would just be willingly. Because, you know, there is, I kind of, I think we should get into this. There is an implication that some Pokemon are more sentient than we might think. So do we want to go for some fan theories? I think, I think the danger is I we could talk about the anime and the movie yes. all day. That could be its own episode where we just rewatch Pokemon movies yes. and tell everyone how well, that feels. Especially the new one, because in the new one, they're like Detective, a, Detective Pikachu? Pikachu. They're in a city where you're not allowed to battle. There are a whole lot of implications so many in that questions. movie. But yeah. let's leave those for later. Yes. Also, I recently saw that there was a theory that somebody was saying that Ash is... Okay, well then let's transition to our next segment. No, if we weren't going to do that, I'm we sorry. We were. We were in the middle of it. If I mean, a discerning listener might have picked up on that fact. Well, that certainly wasn't me, so... Uh, what a surprise. <laughs> so our next well, segment yeah. is fan theories. So I am just going to listen because I don't know anything about oh my fan gosh. theories. Okay, All go right. Sterling, go. Um, fan so theory number one. First fan theory that I'll, I'll finish up. I'm not a big fan of this one, but... Um, Somebody is saying out there saying that Pikachu is actually Ash's father. I'm all in. And there's only the only evidence I see for that now is Detective Pikachu. Also, the only time I've heard sorry, that was when Lindsay said it. No, Sterling today. said it to me, and oh, I agreed okay. earlier today. Um, I think Pikachu that's is Ash's father. Yeah, I don't get that, but uh, you know what? S- someone on the writing team for Detective Pikachu got it. Yeah, uh, clearly. Um, that one kind of. That's it. That's really all well, there so is. So that's a the theory, theory for the anime. That's right? a theory for the anime. Okay. Um, but we're going to get back into uh, well, here the is game. my take on that. Here's the evidence. Where's Ash's dad? Um, but anyways, um, one of my favorite theories is that Ditto is a failed experiment um, from the Mewtwo experiments. Mm-hmm. And the, the reasoning behind this is that uh, Ditto can turn into every single type of Pokemon, and Mew can learn every single move, including Transform. Mm-hmm. And, and Mew contains the, the DNA of all Pokemon. Or something. Yeah, you got it. And so Mew is supposedly the progenitor of all different... It's like the missing link for all Pokemon. Well, I guess another way you could look at that is maybe Ditto is like the modern-day version of Mew, and that's why there's no Mews anymore. Because maybe it's just ditto now. Could be. I like that. I haven't heard that one. Um, so you can pick up a little bit of that based off of research in the research notes left in uh, Cinnabar Island. But, you know, it's a bit far-fetched, but I like it. You know, I have seen this theory online, and the reason they it's kind of gained some traction is because Mew and uh, Ditto, when they like added more data on them later... They start to sync up more. Like their shiny forms have the same color or something. And like their height and weight is the same or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. There's some weird similarities that seem like they could be intentional. Especially because they are the only two Pokemon in red and blue that can learn transform. So I don't don't know. Hmm. Um, Okay. So one that I think we've all heard before. Yeah. Is what Gary happens to Gary's Raticate. That okay. dies. Yes, because he, he doesn't appear on the team anymore. Yeah, so you fight him. You, you face him. When is that battle? Uh, so, I mean, all the way up until you get to Lavender Town. Yes, but um, you, you beat him and you, you know. Well, I'm not saying that you killed 
rad the Gary's radicate. Not saying you the, didn't. The theory, I mean, the theory goes that Gary or Blue, whatever we're gonna call him for now, or Butts, as I like to call him. Still Gary. Um, he traveled like throughout the game, and he starts off with a ratata, ratatat, ratata. Uh, it's not part. I don't know. I've never known how to say that name. Um, but anyways, it becomes Eradicate. And then after he stops by Lavender Tower and you fight him, he doesn't have his Eradicate anymore while he's in there. Well, he goes to Lavender Tower because that's the place you bury your Pokemon. Uh, yeah, it's true. And so the theory is that he went there to put his Eradicate to rest. Um, yeah, because Eradicate disappears you. immediately when you get to Pokemon Tower. Yep. He asks you a question, too. Like, do you know what it's like to have a Pokemon die or something like that? Well, when I played just now, he said, what are you doing here? Did your Pokemon die? Oh, like, okay. kind of flippantly. How do you know it's which, flippantly? Which Everything Gary the says. Way he no! says it, he's like, what's the matter, Red? Your Pokemon dies? Smell you later. Like an asshole <laughs> Guys, he could be saying it like, oh, what's the matter, Red? Did, did your Pokemon die? No. Well, the way you like, said, maybe his died and he wants to know if yours did too. The other thing is, in Japanese, he uses the like the verb to die, which you would never use. Like, oh, you would never say, okay. what, your grandparents go die or something like that you I feel see. like they pass away i see so he's that's he's, why I read it he's not me. using a respectful term for right it. exactly i mean he does say smell you later every time you see him <laughs> um but yeah i i do like that theory a lot and it does seem to back it up if you're looking closely enough although i will say he does wrote i'm looking at his teams now and he does rotate them well his teams differ based off of what you chose at the beginning of the game so if you chose a Charmander, his team's going to be different than if you chose a Bulbasaur or a Squirtle. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Sorry, you're right. That's what I was looking at. He does not rotate as much as I thought he did. But it's he does, depending on what you do. Yeah. Did you have another one you wanted to get in, Star? Um, I mean, I, I, I like that one. That was going to be the next one I touched upon. Oh, nice. We're so insane. But I liked the uh, Kangaskhan, Marowak, and Cubone yes. fan theory. Tell us about it. Uh, so Cubone and Marowak... Both wear Pokemon skull on their head, mm -hmm. which uh, comes from the mom. Comes well, it comes from something. It from the dead mother. It's, yeah, it, it's. I thought it was confirmed no, it's that it's the from the, yeah, it, yeah, it's right. the dead it's mom. The it, yeah, so it comes from their dead mother. Um, and the theory is that underneath that Cubone skull is a Kangaskhan baby whose mom died, and yeah. so the Kangaskhan was like a big kangaroo. Mm -hmm. In case you don't know, I don't know how Genghis Khan. Yeah, like I, I mean, like it's mostly just or Genghis Khan. Yeah, that's just yeah. Oh, um, but anyways, <sighs> when a baby Genghis Khan's mother's die, it will take its skull and put its head on its now. Skull is, on. is there a reason why they think it's specifically Genghis Khan? Is it because the, the the skull looks like a Genghis Khan head? It's because the it's, designs look so much yeah. alike. And the designs do look so oh. much. Alike. Wait, where does that image come from? I don't know. Google. No, I mean the left one, the left sprite. It's the one that. It it's, is a so baby we're comparing a, a a sprite of what you see as the yeah. baby Kangaskhan in a Kangaskhan's pouch. Yeah. With but the, the, like, the when do you see one. it by itself? I think they just put the head of it that you see popping out of it. Oh, to see what it would look. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Though I can, I can see it. And so here's another part to this theory that there are dissenters to this theory. Okay. They don't like this theory, and they say that. Uh, Cubones and Marowaks are actually a completely different type of Pokemon that enjoys hunting Kangaskhan. Well, but we know that it wears the skull of its dead mother as a helmet. Yes. 
Yeah, but it just that's that's the other part of the so, that's so, the so sometimes they lose. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, is that your theory? Oh. Yeah, I think so. I like the Kangaskhan mom thing. I think my favorite crazy Pokemon fan theory has to be that Pokemon is set in a post-apocalyptic world where someone dropped a nuclear bomb. What are you looking at, Chris? Sorry, I just inter- like interrupting you real quick. I found a, an old picture of Kangaskhan, and it does kind of look like the baby because its its skull is slightly off in this picture. That's and Cubone. It does, or not, sorry, Cubone, and it, it does look kind of like yes. the baby can yes. this time. I can see it. See? I've convinced Chris. Mm-hmm. Next up, the moon landing. <laughs> Which, yeah, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and Pokemon, that did happen. <laughs> and, and reverse happened when the Clefairies came to Earth. That's true. Mm. But the theory I really love is that Pokemon is a post-apocalyptic wasteland, and that's why there aren't many adults around. And why kids have to go on their, like, journey. On their walkabout. And that there was uh, some sort of big nuclear fallout, and that's caused everyone to mutate. And that Pokemon are just (laughs) mutated animals. Or people. That's dark. Uh, I mean, there is a thing in the game, in red and blue, that says, did you know? And it's it's pretty much the same in both versions, but it's more explicit in Japanese, Mm -hmm. that people in Pokemon used to be the same. And they used to marry each other. Weird. So it does imply that, like, at some point, all life was very different. I mean, it could just be an evolution thing. Yeah. They well, also talk about someone makes reference to the war that was fought. Yes. Like, uh, Lieutenant Surge. That makes sense. So, uh, the, well, like, I do think now that I've replayed it, that I am recontextualizing that as just this is the real world, mm-hmm. there's wars every day. And oh. surges in the Air Force of America. Do I legitimately believe that it's a post-apocalyptic way said? No. Is it super fun, though? Oh, yeah. No, no, I just mean, like, I always wondered about the war, too, when I was a kid. Oh. But I never connected it to, like, the rest of the world. is just the real world anyway. Oh, I just, yeah, I just kind of assumed he's an, I didn't use this term at, like, seven, but an expat of some yeah. sort after yes. one well, of our mini wars with now in, that you Asian countries. It. Yeah, you do, he is in a port town. So maybe he's in the Navy or, yeah. or something, or an Air Force base thing yeah. or something. Yeah, makes sense. Any other crazy fan theories? Oh, there's loads, but I don't know if I'm Any gonna, worth discussing? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get into any more. Well, then I think it's time for super crazy things yeah. actually from the game. So actual facts that are super weird from the game, not fan theories, things that are yes. just in the text. So like one thing that I think is a good segue in between this and that is that Chris was saying that the people would turn into Pokemon and people would marry Pokemon and all those other things. But I know that Kadabra specifically has some interesting uh, origins origins and dex entries. Yes. So this is the part, listener, where we're just kind of going to riff on some random Pokedex entries. We're just going to read you stuff from the game. You know, feel free to tune out if you want to. What? This is the best part. This is so wild. (laughs) This is just us reading the internet for you. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, there are some dex entries that did not make it from the Japanese version into the English version. Um, one of them is the dex entry for Kadabra. And it says, One day, uh, a boy with psychic powers woke up in his bed <laughs> and found that he had become a Kadabra. I just love that. Yeah. So, that's all there is on Kadabra in the dex. <laughs> it's just that. 
Which implies that this is just where cadavers come from, and then they have kids. The and only those place are that they come from, I guess. So, okay, I, we'll build on this. The uh-huh. hypno one is also oh, the crazy. Hypno one. And by the way, I I do think now that we've talked about how the original intent was, these were like really powerful creatures you would recruit to help you defeat fantasy villains. I think that explains a lot of the dex entries. And there's some comments from the developers that the moment they decided to make the game about completing the Pokedex was when they had written about 100 entries. And they were like, damn, guys, I fucking love Pokemon. (laughs) And they were like, you know what? It should be your goal to, like, find out all this information. Yeah. Uh, So we're talking about Hypno. Hypno. Hypno's Dex entry says that there was an incident once where Hypno hypnotized a bunch of children and led them, quote, somewhere. The end. Creepy. <laughs> yes. Creepy. Also definitely establishes Pokemon as like real threats to society. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, it kind of is touches upon like that entire evolutionary line. Drowsy also has a weird one of it remembers every dream it eats and it rarely oh. eats the dreams of adults because children's are much tastier. Interesting. So that's from a later game, but. No. I like it. It's still it's relevant. Still, I, it's creepy that they're all the psychic type. There's just an implication that you just don't trust psychic types because yes. they can mess with your brain. Well, it's clear that the like what constitutes a Pokemon is not necessarily what constitutes an animal based on the dex entries because we know that some of them come from weird sources like humans transforming into them. Yes. Well, and um, as the generations have progressed, a lot of them have gotten much more explicitly human. Yes. Well, here's speaking of human, here's an interesting one. Uh, Hitmochan, according to Japanese Green, is possessed by the soul of a pro boxer, and his punches are faster than a bullet train. <laughs> what what part does that of the say? bullet train? So, so does like, that when... mean there are Hitmochans who are running around without boxing gloves and tunics on, and they're just normal <laughs> Hitmochans? <laughs> Like the one that, that's like, a great question like, too. Like maybe the only hypno because there's only one that a like a karate dude like the karate yeah, master you gives him. you and you beat him and he's like you can have You're, one yeah which are not found anywhere else right so maybe he made those. Wow. He like put boxing gloves on this hypno chain. He's like, you look like you're possessed by a box. New fan theory. <laughs> he's actually one of the people from Cinnabar Mansion that was burned down, and he's like, well, I guess. I'm taking these guys. <laughs> Living his life. I, as made, a... I made some Frankenstein monsters, and now I'm going to pretend that they're Pokemon and run a dojo for Pokemon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here's, here's one for Jinx, uh, who, as a reminder, is the one that is looks like a Gangoro woman who is wears essentially blackface. I don't, what is Gangoro? Uh, it's uh, a fashion subculture in Japan where women wear very dark makeup, but like bright highlights okay. and blonde wigs or dye their hair blonde. Okay. And it literally translates to blackface. In the, in like to an in American Japan. audience? Wait. No, no, no. Literally the words mean blackface. Oh. Yes. Yikes. And it is, I mean, obviously still problematic in many ways. Yeah. Uh, but the context for it is different from our version of blackface, okay. which is basically I minstrel mean, can... shows and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but that one is still a fashion trend that continues to this day. Oh my gosh, really? Yes. And it's, it's people will it's just still a thing. do it? I mean, I mean, again, it's like a counterculture thing. Like it's, okay. it's not like normal, Okay. but it's there. Okay. Uh, Jinx is like an obvious reference to that. Yeah. Um, less so now that they made her purple. They redesigned her at some <laughs> point. Yeah. Uh, but Jinx's entry says that she talks like a human, 
but no one knows what she's saying yet. Which I think makes that trying to figure that out. more problematic. Yeah. <laughs> like, is Jinx just a person? Given all that context, <laughs> I'm very concerned. Yes. Uh, we have, then we have the ones that I would just say are a child saying Pokemon are amazing. Like, Ponyta is so light and its legs are so strong that in one bound it can jump over Tokyo Tower. Yeah, me too. If you were light enough, you could. Oh, wow. That's the key okay, rude. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, I like that you dash. believe I'm strong enough, though. Yeah, you just have to make your legs really, really dense. That's, yes. Uh, rapid Dash is as fast as a Shinkansen, like a bullet train. I like that you started with the Japanese word. Like I, don't know, I, I was just going to nod. I changed it in my notes for Hitmonchan, but I forgot for Rapid Dash. Uh, Gloom is so stinky. How stinky Your is mama he? is so stinky. <laughs> its odor can be smelled from two kilometers away. <laughs> right. I love uh, it. Rhyhorn. Uh, not Rhydon, by the way. The unevolved version, Rhyhorn, the weaker one, yeah, the can destroy one. a skyscraper by tackling it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. These are definitely all like rumors, like gossip. And your, your protagonist runs into them in the wild and is like, I remember a thing I heard about yes. this guy once. Now, these entries make less sense in the later games where it's kind of like, this is your decks just telling you. Just digitally. But in the one where you're writing an encyclopedia, I do kind of feel like a lot of it is hearsay or room, local rumors you're writing. Yes, and I love like, that. Alakazam is so smart. Its IQ is like 5,000. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and obviously now we know, like, the probably the real reason is these were like actual demons or something or like yeah. monsters that you were like glad you're on my side you magmar where your flames are 800 degrees or something or 1200 degrees I'm i got a question like why do people think psychic pokemon are smart like what what is it about being psychic and being smart that are like correlated you know that's a damn good question i think it comes from 70s like mysticism and stuff because there was like a there was like a pop culture obsession with that and the whole idea was that you became psychic by training your mind hard enough or through like meditation or something or staring at goats right yeah. but that doesn't mean that you have to be smart you just trained your well, mind but i think I you associate like it with that like i guess it's training your mind also yeah. if you are psychic and you know what everyone is thinking you seem very intelligent Mm-hmm. How does Alakazam make himself see, seem smart? Because Where's he runs away when I try to catch him, unlike anyone else. That's true. Abras do run away. And well, also, Alakazam is like literally like going into your mind and causing you to think different things. Yes. If he right? can control your mind, then he must be more intelligent than you are. Like That's more comforting, you know? I guess, right? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Boy. Now I'm trying to think, like, what do psychic moves do in this game? Mostly just hurt your brain. Mm-hmm. Well, they can move you. Like, well, psychic is psychokinesis. Yeah. The latest Pokemon shield, you can do super moves that affect the battlefield. Yeah. And it says, like, everything got really hot or it's raining now. Everything's wet. When you do the psychic one, it just says, everything got weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're in the earthbound world now. Yes. Like, I, it kind of has that kind of, like, mm-hmm. effect, too. I just, it's you high is what's happening. Yes. That is how I read it. And it's um, extra funny when my nine tails does it. What do you guys think the normal type means? Boring. I always interpret it as they intended for normal to just mean regular animals that don't have like a superpower. Yeah. 
Because Tauros is just a bull. Well, the weird right? thing to me, too, is that it's it doesn't true. seem very different from fighting. Like, well, uh, shouldn't a normal type be able to punch? Is fighting just a better normal do. type? Actually, Clefairy in red and green That's really good at punching. That's what yeah. I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Like, what distinguishes her from fighting? They cl- I don't know, but they, they clearly changed their minds on some of these later. So, right? Because right? I always just, in the first game, interpreted the two fighting types as just, like, they're really good normal types. I, I mean, maybe. Which, what are they? Is Are they technically a fighting type? Ooh. Yeah, they are okay. fighting types. Okay. Okay. There's three of them. Yes. Well, also, Polyrath is fighting, too. Yeah. Uh, I like Polyrath. But that's how I was like, I guess fighting are just... They really honed their their natural normal skills. Yeah, I, I think they're just called fighting because the only ones they found are the, the karate dude. <laughs> it's like training. Them. I don't, that's all I know. There's really. like regular hitmons running around that haven't been possessed, and they're just they're just natural or normal. There's just, no, they're just chance. There's yeah. chance. <laughs> they're just chance. I don't get it. It's just like fighting. I guess you're right. Like they just ran around. and It's like that Pokemon just karate chopped somebody. I think it's kind of like how in cooking. You, you know that a tomato is a vegetable, culinarily speaking, but a botanist would call it uh, a fruit, right? But in Pokemon world, you know, you're, you're mostly concerned with what trainers think. And trainers are like, this is a fighting type because it does martial arts-esque things. Sure. But I doubt a scientist would label, would come up with the label fighting type think, for Pokemon. You know right? what? I think fighting type just means humanoid. Like, Maybe no, huh? no, for sure no. Why not? Why not? Hypno seems humanoid. No, no, that's no. a good point. But like humanoid and fighting in a similar style as a human. Oh you know, gosh. The more I think about Hypno and the fact that he's kidnapping these kids and the fact that he looks so <laughs> much like a dude. It could just very be a dude. Scary. He is a bad, yeah. bad dude. Did you also notice that a lot of psychic types are more humanoid than the other Pokemon? Yeah. Like, Mister Mime is just a person. Yeah. Gardevoir Hypno is a person. That's... What is a Gardevoir? It's uh, Some, from generation. It's like a green oh my dress god! Wearing Guys, I have made a point to not pay attention to any Pokemon that exists past. All right. One well, and sword and shield. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a lot of trouble getting through that game. I just nicknamed everything, and I was like, "This is Bolty. Bolty, use Bolt." Yeah, I, I I do think there is something there that the psychic types are usually humanoid. Maybe they're the most intelligent. That's what. I, that's what I'm Except thinking, meows, man. the meows in the anime literally talk. They're What's like, up with they're that? They're like tool-using Pokemon. It's true. Mm. The Meowth is clearly just a smart Pokemon. I guess. I don't know why he's not psychic. <laughs> <laughs> like, he meets Alakazam. He's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, Alakazam, Alakazam. I get it. They're so smart. Yeah. It's like, oh. yeah, but can you talk to this guy? Can you let him know you want a sandwich? He has an origin story episode where he, like, learns to talk on the mean streets of really? some Pokemon no, he, he, he uh, climbs into a vent and overlooks, like, an English or just whatever language it is course. And is like looking through the thing, and it's like she sells seashells by the seashore, and it's That's like. That's how I learned to speak. And, and and he just and the meowth looks down in the episode and is just like, meow 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 meow. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the the inception. Boom. <laughs> well, I, here's another uh, quick one for right. the later. One one more. Sea uh, King from Pokemon Moon. Um, this entry says trainers who are crazy for seeking are divided into horn enthusiasts and fin enthusiasts. The two groups do not get along well. I like that world building. <laughs> That's funny. That's kind of like reminds me of how people love Farfetch'd because it tastes good. Yes, there's but, a lot of those. But also, what? Like, 
Why do they not get along well? How does this tell me anything about my Pokemon? Imagine they don't want to share. But imagine, but imagine it this. Says, it's the Kadabra entry. Again. It tells you no. It tells you the value of this Pokemon. But I'm just saying that you go and you're like, if it's really you writing it, this doesn't tell you anything about the Pokemon except it has horn and fish. I'm telling you, it's because you don't know shit about Pokemon. If it's an automatic reader that automatically populates it, and you're like, oh man, what's that? And it's like, ah, Seeking. Trainers who are crazy for Seeking are divided into horn enthusiasts and fin enthusiasts. The two groups do not get along well. And you're like, thanks, Pokedex. Why don't you tell me what type it is? I'm guessing it's probably a fish, so it's a water type. So, but, like, you didn't give me anything I mean, to work yes. with. It, I mean, it is in a long line of, like, hilariously unhelpful entries in the original game. Can you imagine at the very end, like, you're like, I completed the Pokedex, Oak, and you throw it on the table, and he's like, oh my god, you, you got it? And he opens it up, Let's and see he... what you learned about Seeking. And he's like, horn enthusiast, what is this? This is, this is F. This is a big old F. <laughs> Get it out of here. Yeah, like, he doesn't actually read the decks until after, and he's like, Oh no, we gave him the certificate. He's a PhD now. <laughs> this is his PhD. Oh god. Oh god, he's a professor too. <laughs> well, I think we have a lot more to say about Pokemon than we anticipated. Yes. This might end up being a, a two parter here. So You guys will have to settle for the five hour cut of this episode, which <laughs> you're probably listening to right now. But before we go, I think we should each go around and say our favorite Pokemon. Oh, okay. Now, I'll I now go. know the answer. Well, I was going to say, Sterling can totally go first because he has a definitive answer that he's known forever in a way that arguably shapes your identity. It's Arcanine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the best Pokemon. Why? He's the legendary Pokemon. Uh-huh, clearly. I also feel like there's some connection. We, I mean, Sterling obviously has this huge connection to China, right? Yeah. Maybe not obvious to our listeners, but Sterling has lived in China for a long time. Yeah. And Arcanine is like the Chinese animal. Like is the he, Chinese Pokemon. Is he like a Tibetan Mastiff, basically? He looks like one, but he's not quite. It's more mythological based. Also, Sterling like likes... A, not like one of those like, like lion-esque guard lion things. Yeah, yeah, it's similar to like one of the, like the stone lions that you'd see, but not quite. He's more dog in this one. Which, which Sterling loves Definitely dogs. a good change. But I think he might, may or may not be based off of the Chilean, the, the Kirin almost. Yeah, yeah. Um... And oh yeah, like the Chinese version of the Chilean. Yeah, I mean, of course, the Chileans have horns and are often translated into uh, unicorns, but I still think it has like that mythological yeah. feel to it. No, you're right, because like a lot of depictions of Chilean are like dogs or lions or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, but other than that, uh, Arcanine and then Arcanine. Yeah, and then third is. I, I, Ar- Ar- Arcanine has been <laughs> in every single one of my Pokemon teams since the beginning. So every generation Aww. has an Arcanine. So I have eight level 100 Arcanines <laughs> that have been like with me throughout. So when, when Sterling heard about the, the, the Dex shortening and the new one, he was like, right, well, let me check. Oh, thank gosh. Well, <laughs> there was a moment when I was worried my favorite Pokemon would not be in this game. What is it? Which is Ninetales. Okay. And you get Ninetales is a cool. You get like a moment to catch one Vol. I think that's the only time you can catch the Volpix in, in Shield. In Shield, Volpix isn't in the game, but you can catch a Volpix in the Fire Gym battle. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was like, that's where I got my Litwick. Oh yeah, nice. Me too. I was really upset, and then I was like, this is my one chance, and then I messed it up, and the other trainer oh, killed sucks. it, and I was like, my new strategy, 
is to kill the other trainer's Pokemon first. When, when I saw the Litwick, I was like, you're not fucking this up for me. And yes. I just threw balls at it. <laughs> I didn't fight it at all. So Ninetales like, oh. is my favorite because fire type, fox, and pretty elegant and extra and awesome. Yeah. And I love it. It's, it's got a little bit of romance, like, like whimsy to it because it only evolves with the Firestone. Yes, that's cool too. I mean, cool same too. with Arcanine, just saying. Also, oh, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to say, people often sit and wonder, like, why did that guy have six Magikarps? Or why did that guy have, like, six of, like, some stupid Pokemon? Well, I'm the guy with six Arcanines, <laughs> and that's it. And I'm not going to win any of these, like, fancy video game tournaments, but you know what? One day I might. Okay. They're all good for Chris, how about you? Uh, so, I went a while thinking my favorite Pokemon was Squirtle. And then I thought it was Yikes. Litwick. Oh, okay. Um, which is the candle Pokemon. And I'm picturing like Lumiere. Then I took this test, which basically forces you to compare every Pokemon in existence with every other Pokemon until you find the one. How long did that, that never, test? It took me like an hour. I kind of want to do that. And then at the end, it told me once and for all that my favorite Pokemon was Magikarp. <laughs> and I just accept that now. And I, I do like Magikarp. Like, I have, like, Magikarp, like, memorabilia in my house. I, I am going to say, if you like Magikarp, there's a really good scene where Ash's Piplup uh-huh. fights a, uh, a Magikarp, and that uh-huh. Magikarp just runs train on them. So he uses flail? Uh, no, I, I, it's, you'll have to look it up. It's on YouTube, I'm sure. But it is... Like, literally, this Magikarp is angry and just beats the yeah. crap out of... Well, because Magikarp can go Berserk and, like, do... Well, not go Berserk, but, like, it has the move where the more you hurt it, the more it can, like, hurt you. Mm-hmm. So you can use that. Yeah, you gotta get the Swift Swim Magikarp with the uh, Focus Sash yes, and so flail. you survive one hit. And yeah. then you can just... All right, nerds. <laughs> anyway, I like Magikarp because it's the shittiest Pokemon. Okay. But it's pretty much exclusively used in the game to teach you that even the weakest Pokemon can turn out to be very valuable. Well, and Gyarados is another one of my favorite Pokemon. He's up there. He actually, you find Magikarp in the same town where someone's like, even like really bad Pokemon, you should just train them and see what happens. And then you buy a Magikarp for like 500 500 yen or whatever. Poke dollars. So the real theme of Pokemon is there's potential within us all. Yes. Except Dunsparce. I don't even know what Sorry. that is. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry for the one guy out there that likes stunts fish. What are these Pokemon? <laughs> I mean, some of those we made up. I don't know anymore. What's true? Well, thanks for listening in with us, everybody. That's a wrap on Pokemon Gen 1. But we're always open to doing other Pokemon games or taking a deeper look at some of the other Pokemon properties. So... If you want to connect with us or let us know your ideas, you can always find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Player versus Plot. That's Player vs. Plot. And you can shoot us an email at playerversusplot at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Hope you had fun.
Do you think this is the episode where we realize we need a pop filter? This one? So I caught Porygon in my Pokeball. My Pokemon. That the the Pokemon power points are running low. Here's a stinger game. Let's ask Lindsay. Let's give Lindsay Pokemon names and she tells us if they're real. Oh, God. Uh, Magna Angemon. False. Magna Angemon? (laughs) (laughs) I I still don't know if it's real or not. It's a Digimon. Oh, okay. See? Nailed it. Whalemon. Real. No, that's still a Digimon. (sighs) What's the giant whale Pokemon called? Whalmer and Whalelord. Okay, Whalelord. that's deliberately misleading. I love that this person saw one whale in their life. And they're like, <laughs> this is the lord of all whales. 